welcome to the Yerky Boys. May the Candrona shine and strengthen you. My name is Will. My name is Jonathan. And we are the, the Yerky, Yerky Boys. Boys. Today we're going to be talking about book 30, The Reunion. Which was released in May of 1999. Wow. The same month as last week's book. According to oh, Cyropedia. really? There wasn't, uh, there wasn't like a pause for the uh, Megamorphs? Two books, one month. That's what they tell me. All right. I guess when she's uh, now that she's got her ghostwriters, she can do it. They don't care. They're not worried about eating up shelf space or fighting with themselves for book sales. They're, they're pumping them out like nobody's business. That was my favorite uh, old internet shock video. Two books, one month. Yeah. Yeah. Mine was the Unknown Soldier one. Hmm. Is that where they beheaded a guy? <laughs> I'm not sure exactly which one you're talking about. I think there were a lot that were called something like that. <laughs> yeah. I didn't actually watch that one. Yeah, I don't, those those ones aren't as fun. Uh, <laughs> Boy, I'll tell you what's more... shocking yeah, is, what tell, is... Yeah, yeah. What's shocking is how how much fun this Animorphs <laughs> podcast is and how great it is to be a listener of this free Animorphs podcast. I can't believe how much content we're giving away. Yeah, you're right. And yet, that. and yet, uh-huh. there's still more. And that brings us to uh, this week's edition of everyone's favorite recurring segment, the sharing, the sharing. Got you trained like a dog. Yeah, I'm still not quite sure what melody I'm supposed to be doing when I do that. And I feel like I'm almost doing the NBC thing. (laughs) No, that would be the sharing. Yeah, I'm like, I feel like I'm getting too close to that. (laughs) Yeah, well, I will rein you in if you start fucking it up. Okay, thank you. So share, share with me, please. All right, we've got some sharing to do here. Thought we'd get away one week without having to read some bullshit somebody fucking sent to us, but nope. We got one. I love it when people email us at theyerkyboys at gmail.com <laughs> as we are legally bound to read it at the start of the episode before getting into our book, which will happen shortly. So just would you just sit tight for a minute? And somebody's in kind of a grumpy mood. <laughs> read the sharing i want to know the sharing oh okay <laughs> this week's sharing we have an email that came into us from let's see here this looks like steven wrote into us this week mm-hmm. the, the yerky boys is kind of like peewee's playhouse you know you yeah. check in and every, you know you get your fun side characters Sometimes you talk to Cherry, Globy. That's kind of mm-hmm. what Steven is like, one of those guys. Yeah. Nick No Name, Spam Viking, Eflum. <laughs> is that all of them? <laughs> uh, we've had, I don't, have we had any others that repeated? Hmm. If we did, we clearly don't fucking like you. <laughs> so <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> all right. We love all of you. Subject of this email, there's a couple of things in it, but the subject of it is Patreon book recommendation. Mm. Steven says, hi, guys. 
I have a recommendation for a book you could read for the context of strength segment for your Patreon. I'm just going to pause here for a minute to point out that context of strength is a title that was invented one week ago by F. Loom, who wrote into the show and pitched this concept to us. We have I did not, not done remember it, it was called that. <laughs> we have not done this segment, nor have we committed to saying we will do it. <laughs> but Stephen <laughs> comes in as it references it like it's, of course, context of strength. We all know yeah, that. Everybody knows <laughs> what that is. Yeah. <laughs> this was the pitch here was that we would read the book from the middle of a series without knowing what it was about. Sure. And we, But we asked, we did ask, I guess for recommendations if we were going to go through with this. And Stephen suggests, he says, admittedly, this is the last book of a trilogy, not the middle one, but I think it could still work. Island Book 3, Escape, by Gordon Corman. (laughs) It's a series I read in fifth grade, and I think the book is about the same length as an Animorphs book. I've wanted to recommend this book for a few episodes now, but couldn't really justify asking you guys to read a whole trilogy when the only reason I would be asking is for something that happens in the third book. I won't spoil what the reason is, but maybe you can spot it when you read it. Keep up the good work. So, um... I would like to point out uh, that this is uh, the same asshole who uh, introduced us to the sci-fi classic Grass. So if you're wondering what the fuck is going on here, that's that's what's going on here. This is a a, a person with, how shall we say, esoteric reading tastes. <laughs> and uh, I guess we we're gonna. Well, I guess we will consider Island Book Three: Escape by Gordon Corman for the future docket. Consider. Yeah. Throw throw that in the old spreadsheet. And we'll also take this opportunity to tell Stephen and the rest of our non-Patreon subscribed listeners that uh, this week on the Patreon, we are going to be discussing the novel, the classic sci-fi novel, Grass. Yeah, can I just point out, like, you know, we have insider information here, and I know for a fact that Stephen is not a Patreon subscriber, okay? And yet, we're reading a book... That that he put the, the, the turned us on to, and he's making suggestions for it. The fuck do you get off? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, if it's Steven five wants, bucks a month. <laughs> if he wants to hear our thoughts about Grass, his beloved Grass, or Island Book Three, uh, put your money where your fucking mouth is, pal. <laughs> Patreon.com/slash right. the Yerky Boys. <laughs> Maybe did I love grass? Did I hate it? You're not gonna know unless you click subscribe. Okay. That's a good pitch. Yeah, you did good. So do you good notice read. how uh, at the end of that email he said keep up the good work? It sort of seems like that's the end of the email, right? It does sure <laughs> seem like that's the end of the email. Well, there's a postscript that is longer than the body of the email. <laughs> Yeah, I was was gonna comment. That is, you know, the shortest email we've ever gotten. (laughs) Don't worry. Okay, good. I was worried. The next part of the email is actually relevant to Animorphs, so if everybody skipped ahead because they didn't want to hear about our fucking Patreon again, well, you missed out. (laughs) He adds, P.S. I think you guys were not doing your best with your literary analysis. When you talked about Cassie's reaction to racism, 
He is referring to our discussion last week of Megamorph's book three. You said that her reaction seems out of character, but the books goes out of its way to explain that. He then quotes a passage from the book, which I will uh, summarize and paraphrase here. Basically, Cassie says that she would have let this go normally. She's run into racism before, but she is going through a lot. She's been time traveling in multiple wars. Jake is dead. Rachel might be dead. So she's uh, in an upset state at this time. Okay. Stephen continues. You also talked about how it seemed more like something Rachel would do, which the book again agrees with you about. Again, he quotes another passage. Uh, Whoa, Cassie, that is so Rachel, Marco says. Okay. Stephen concludes. Now, even when an in-text justification is offered, that doesn't mean it actually lands. If you still think it's bad writing, even with this added context, then I respect that. But leveling very specific criticisms at a work without pointing out that the work itself goes out of its way to address those criticisms is just big cinema sins energy. Excuse you? <laughs> Excuse you? <laughs> Trying to rile me up here. Uh, Stephen. He finished his email. <laughs> that's the end. <laughs> okay. I mean, listen, uh, I, first of all, I, I don't know how much of, is the, does this fall under the blanket of a literary analysis? I guess it does. Sure. This podcast, but, uh, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean that that specific. Um, so okay, so so I I was aware of that uh, phrase that that or that part where Cassie says like, oh, this isn't something I would normally do, and uh, and I I kind of just chose not to bring it up. I think it was in the notes, but I think I chose not to bother saying it. Um, but you know, I, I, I would be far more on board with that if Cassie ever encountered racism in the books in any meaningful way before this, like, Mm. it feels like racism is always the thing where they're just like, she will offhandedly say, sometimes there's racism and I've had to deal with it. Doesn't actually come up. Uh, you know, then the first time it does, it's like, okay, here's my opportunity as a writer to do this. You know, I better, I better have a sentence in here to pay lip service to how Cassie doesn't, uh, you know, this is not the sort of thing she would normally do. But, you know, I mean, why am I taking that all that seriously? I'm, I'm looking at what's happening and not what Cassie says she always does. Um, as for the Marco line, that's so Rachel, I think I just kind of was like, yeah, Marco just made a snarky comment. I Rachel guess you also could call that says, Rachel says, what are you doing? Stealing my act? Mm. So. I mean, yeah, sure, I guess. <laughs> uh, I think that what you said uh, rings true to me. I think you, you answered pretty well. Uh, I will you. only add to Stephen, first of all, how dare you? Mm-hmm. Go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cinema sins. Where the fuck, who the fuck do you think you are? (laughs) You can expect, if you write in to our, this is the kind of treatment you can expect (laughs) when you email us. (laughs) I've never been more offended in my life. Okay? If that's what you were going for, you succeeded. The, the, The other thing I will just add a little bit in my defense 
is that normally I uh, I like to read these books uh, two or three days, maybe even one day in advance of recording so that they're fresh in my mind. And in this instance, uh, it had actually been a couple of weeks since I really read the book. So if some passages like this slipped my mind and I didn't call them out in a way that I should have, that's why. That's fair. No, is that fair? I think <laughs> that's say, fair. I'd say that's pretty fair. I yeah, think, I would, I I would think say that's fair. Even Stephen would agree that that's fair. Is yeah, it balanced? I think he would. I don't know. But it is, because we, we both agree, so it's balanced. Mm. All right. Thanks, Stephen, for sharing that with us. If you'd like to email don't and thank him. be ridiculed and <laughs> insulted. You can, with all your comments and questions, theyerkyboys at gmail.com. And uh, hey, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash theyerkyboys. Okay, now we can get to the book. Yeah, uh, and by get to the book, uh, you mean we have to talk about things before we can get to the book. But they'll be relevant to this book now. Yeah, well, that, that's all going to be parts of the book. Yeah, in some Don't sense. you think? Yeah. Right. Uh, let's, uh, well, let, well, let's start off here. Um, the, this book was, uh, ghost written by an Elise Donner, uh, who... Elise Donner, Dodd. Yeah. I don't uh, know why I did it. <laughs> she, she is the ghost writer oh, no, for... Hold on, hold on. Let me, let me do, yeah. let me do another one. Yeah. Yeah. Do another uh, one. Do another one. Uh, I am not going to go to any of her parties. Hmm. That's pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in on. addition to this book, she also did books 37 and 46, so she is invited back two more times, but no consistency with characters. Um, I don't know, I'm not really seeing much in the way of, like, trends for that. Some people have characters, mm -hmm. some people don't, I don't know. Uh, now, I will say, when I looked up Elise Donner, this is the name of the lady who wrote The Vampire Diaries. Is this the same lady? I don't know. Did she write the Vampire Diaries? I thought I saw... What did I see? Go check again, because... Because I had trouble finding much about her. Mm -hmm. I thought there was something about that she was an... Maybe she was an... There was someone with the same name who was an editor for something, maybe? Hmm. Well, the problem is... The problem is, first of all, there's some Hallmark movie... <laughs> Yes. That's uh, with a character uh, with that same name. So those are most of the results. Uh, I see Elisa Jane Smith is an American author of of oh. adult fiction, best known. But but uh, it's somewhere in here it said that Elise Donner. Oh, I see. Wait, wait, wait. Was involved. Um. The series was commissioned by Elise Donner, who was an okay. e editor of Alloy Entertainment in 1990. Okay, so that's probably not the same person then. I don't know. I could see. I don't know what the hell Alloy Entertainment. It's some. It's a book company, I guess. But it does seem like the a lot of these ghostwriters. It's. It seems like some of them maybe are just editors or people who are kind of. You know, not they're just kind of writing a lot of shit, and it's just somebody has an open schedule, and they know somebody, and they ask them, "Hey, you want to write an animorph?" <laughs> and they do. Yeah, it. <laughs> I, I do think that's probably true. Um, but yeah, I could not find 
anything about about this ghost author uh like like i said i i saw that link and i think i got confused but yeah i when i was trying to find like specifically what she did i you know it was like okay there's these animorphs books and then there's some other elise donners out there and then i i can't necessarily tell if they're the same people or not it's not clear to me yeah could be this person could just be another pseudonym who knows yeah maybe book 37 i'll go back and check again yeah, I'm sure we will. We'll, fr- we'll probably have this exact conversation again. <laughs> I've forgotten that it happened. Yeah, I, I'm I'm curious what we're going to do when we start repeating. Uh, I think we already have repeated. I don't know. Well, I mean, you know, other than just like trying to compare the two books, maybe that's all we'll do. Fuck it. I don't know. Yeah, well said. We're not doing that much here. No, very little. Some more than others. So. <laughs> hmm. Hmm? What? Some of us. Anyway, the <laughs> the uh, the cover here, Marco turning into a cockroach. Ah, the cover, yes. Yeah, yes. Fine. that's what we're on. Ah, yes, crack it open, swirl it around, sniff it like a fine wine. Well, the cover's on the outside. We'll crack it open for the inner cover. I'm cracking open the Seropedia thumbnail to click. Mm. Look okay, at. okay. Uh, so we've got, do you want to... to no, it's this is your job. Okay. You do this part. Is it? So, so <laughs> you said Marco it up. here turned into a cockroach. Uh, this is another one. I feel like we've had a, a couple of these, but they're not the more common. Where he's kind of like starting to pose like the animal before he turns into it, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's he's hunched over. Yeah, he's actually yeah. kind of gorilla-ish. That may just be your own bias. <laughs> Because you know he's a gorilla. Well, yeah. I don't know if that's my bias. Yeah, he's doing his thing. He's got his tucked in purple shirt. Uh, He gets tiny little feet. I like his tiny little shoes down at the bottom. Oh, yeah, those are good. I have to say, though, overall, I mean, we've had had a string Mm. of pretty good covers this season so far. This is not one of the more memorable ones to me. It's... It's a morph that they have done several times already. Mm-hmm. It's we've seen bugs on the covers before. It's it's not there's none of these are to me are like that funny. <laughs> I guess the third one yeah. kind of looks like a kind of looks like yeah. a James and the Giant Peach. Yeah, bug. he's got fun eyes and middle face. I, I think I would agree with you on that point. Now, um, one of our regulars, and I'm trying to remember who it was. It all gets mixed up in my mind. Had had mentioned a bunch of. Uh, boring book covers going forward that they, they know who they at. are the flop era <laughs> yeah now now this was on that so one of the questions we're gonna have to ask is is uh is this book one of the secret bangers or is this book uh you know it's it's the boring cover book it's the flop era we're gonna have as we go through we'll, it we'll, must be one of the two it must be <laughs> what else could it be the quote here is Marco must make the ultimate sacrifice. So we're, this is another quote that's actually relevant to the content of the book. Yes. Uh, now, interestingly, I also have on um, PDFs of the books on the PDF that I have, it has a different quote on the cover picture, which is strange. Cause that's not on Seropedia anywhere. And I, I don't know why it's like that. Um, like my physical copy of course says that, but, the uh, the PDF I have says make a change for the better. 
That's so weird. Yeah, it's really weird. I'm wondering, because Seropedia does mention that there was a Scholastic School Market edition of this book that didn't, like, have the raised text, didn't have the inner cover, and was, like, half the thickness of a regular book. And I'm wondering if maybe that's the scan for the, the PDF that I have. I don't know. I'm looking through some of the variant covers that they have scans of on here. Uh, there is one. Den es ist nie suspect. <laughs> you know what that means? Because <laughs> uh, it's never too late if you pronounced it correctly. That's what it would mean. Is that what it means? It's never too late? That's the... Es ist nie, zu, nie zu spät. Yeah. I guess in Germany, Marco is uh, like a more hostile, aggressive character because the title of that book in German is Die, Rachel. <laughs> Seems <laughs> inappropriate for his character. <laughs> Die, Rachel? Well, he is he, his nickname. It's Die, Rach. <laughs> <laughs> ah, okay, okay, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> I couldn't figure out. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, um, <laughs> it's also that that version has a logo from Ravensburger, who is a a pretty well known uh, board game publisher. That's interesting. As they do books too overseas. I don't know. Sure. Anyway, I can't find I'll put that you quote on that you're talking about. Yeah, no, that's what I was wondering because I didn't see it anywhere. But and I was, and I, you know, it's it's like in the image, so it's not like somebody fucked up the text. So if anybody knows anything about why it's like that, you know, let me if, know. If but. anyone at Seropedia was worth their fucking salt, they'd have this shit on there somewhere. Yeah, I'd be able to tell. Jesus Christ, you have one job. Can't do anything. Inside cover. Uh, so just before we get to that, we have our new Watch Animorphs on TV logo starting to appear on this book. Wow. Right? We had, we had a couple books with no Watch Animorphs on TV, uh, and last, uh, well, on the sickness, there was a big sticker on mine. It wasn't actually part of the cover here. It's printed on the cover. Watch Animorphs on TV. No time, no channel, just... Just do it. <laughs> Just on TV. <laughs> on TV. That's what it says. And that's where it uh, is. <laughs> I think the TV show only lasted a couple more months after this book, although that logo will be on the rest of the books. Sure. <laughs> so on TV. If you see it on TV, go watch it. Go watch uh, it on TV. Inside cover. Uh, our quote here is oh. a bug's life. <laughs> Jesus, I just noticed this woman like a specter. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. The quote. What's the quote? Is that it? Yeah, a bug's life. Dot dot dot. Now we do have a three dot alert here. You can't. Okay, three dot alert noted, but that's you can't dot 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 a. It's not even a a thought. It's a fragment. A bug. A, what about a bug's life? What you could say like it's a bug's life for me or something, or it's a hard knock bu- bug's life. I don't, you can't just say a bug's life. Dot dot dot. <laughs> that's 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 the dot 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 of the person who didn't finish writing that quote. <laughs> You're right. That's why it's a three daughter. Yeah, because it's not official. The, they sent that to the editor, and they thought, I guess that must be it. It doesn't seem much worse than usual. A Bug's yeah. Life. I guess this would have been probably, what, a year or two after A Bug's Life came out in the theaters. Yeah, I was hoping you would maybe know that uh, that date so that we could figure well, out. 
Toy Story has got to be 95 or 96. And Bugs Life, I think, was the next movie. Like 90s. Yeah, Toy Story was... uh, Well, Lion King's 94. I think it was... I'm pretty sure Toy Story was... I mean, there's no way to know. Yeah, I'm not going to (laughs) look. All right. Bugs Life was 98, I checked. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. I feel you. It's not very good. (laughs) Yeah. Remember Uh, when I talked about A Bugs Life one episode? No, I don't. I I brought it up because I rewatched it. usually don't listen to you. And I was talking about the ants. How they made me think of the Animorphs. Interesting. This this was... the, the, The listeners will remember. Okay. Next time they turn into ants, you can tell the story again. It wasn't really a story. It was just how I watched it, and then I thought of that. <laughs> okay, so you've told it twice now again. <laughs> yeah, this is the second time. What is well, I mean, on? right now. <laughs> okay, so the inner cover here. Yeah, inner cover. Cockroach on the corner of a dresser nightstand or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see a woman in the mirror who I'm presuming we will discover, mild spoilers, is uh, Marco's mom. Right. Okay. So, no. To be honest, <laughs> who the hell else would it be? No, no, no. I, you're right. But to be honest, I kind of just didn't even notice that. Like, I never really realized that was there. When you said there was like a woman specter jumping out, I was like, "What are you talking about?" And I looked at it again. It is subtle, and it does seem like a ghost uh, appearing, apparating in the mirror. Apparating? Sure. No, because it's an apparition, so is yeah. that what they do? <laughs> Why not? There's a glass on the on the counter uh, that's empty with some ice cubes in it, so she was drinking something. And there's a bunch of coins. There's a keychain with a miniature globe on it with some keys and some coins that look – some of those look like foreign coins to me. Am I wrong? There's one that looks like it has a hole yeah. in the middle, like a yen or like some Canadian shit. I don't know what's going on there. Unless it's maybe like a subway token. Maybe. I don't know. It's weird. I, I I will say the 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 appearance of the woman in the window does answer a question for me because I was looking at this like that's a window. Cockroach. Oh, a mirror. You're right. I don't. It, I don't. It could my be. Brain, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it, no. It's a mirror. It's a mirror. It's a mirror. It's a mirror. No, because uh, I I was looking at this like I can think of two times to go cockroach in this book, and this doesn't look like either of those times. Um. <laughs> So I was confused, but now I guess I know when this must take place in the book. I guess it's okay. Oh, that, I just remembered, a, why didn't I write that down? Ah, I fucked, I really fucked up. Hmm. Remember the how, last, remember the last book last week? Megamorphs 3, Elfangor's Secret? Right. Well, I, I was, it would have been funny last week. I was going to say, uh, Simpsons quote, I can think of at least two things that are wrong with that title. Oh, yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this title, I don't think you can. You know, sometimes no, no, no. Animorphs titles, they don't work. This one, I think. Uh... Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, it could have been the title of other books. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And, but... and could be the title of future books, I presume. But it's fine. It's It works. Yeah. Uh... This podcast every week is sort of like a reunion for us. That's true. <laughs> mhm. All right. I think we were ready to talk talk about this book. Number 30. 
That's a nice round number. Number 30 books in. How about that? That's a lot how of books. About, how about that? How that is a lot about of books. that? 30 All books. right. So, okay. So let, let's start talking okay. about this book. All sure. right. So, so Marco, uh, he's dreaming. He's dreaming Present. about his mom. Uh, and in the yeah, dream, his- I've been dreaming about his mom too lately. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, so, in the dream, she's drowning. Um, which, as as we recall, she was. Or he originally thought she drowned, and then uh, in book fifteen, maybe she drowned, but maybe she lived. So in his dream, she's drowning, and he's trying to save her, but he fails. Um, and, uh, you know, after this dream, you know, he wakes up, uh, and instead of going to school, he decides to play hooky and go downtown instead. Um, so he's walking around the middle of the city, and uh, this woman in a hurry knocks him over. Um, and uh, he, you know, he gets mad, so he starts following her because he wants to, like, trip her or something. And he discovers that uh, the woman is his mom in a wig. Um, she's still alive and she's here in town on Earth. So he follows her. He follows her into Sutherland Tower. Um, he gets past the security guards by putting a man named Mr. Grant into an acquiring trance and saying, oh, it's fathers take their sons to work day. That's the exact name he uses. Uh, he then morphs fly in a crowded elevator right behind Visser 1 and somehow isn't noticed uh, and uh, follows her to find what room she's in. Um, so he has, you know, so his mom is here in town, he's found where she is staying, and there's also a short series of shenanigans in the air ducts with him, uh, after which, uh, you know, he has to, like, morph Mr. Grant in an empty office to keep his cover, and then he, like, runs into the real one and, uh, steals his clothes, and, yeah, and he gets out. Kind so of a bun- lot happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is... Yeah, like, it, it, I... It felt like you could break it. Yeah. Yeah. What you were saying. <laughs> it's a, it's a big opening scene. You know, we used to have the opening scene would be something kind of silly and fun, a little side adventure. And now it's Marco's depressed and sullen and walking alone. And then we get into some real heavy plot stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I feel like we've been getting these like very on topic openings a lot more. Although, you know, go back to just one one main series book and it's like, okay, well, they were at a dance. You know, at least that was something, even though the dance turned into a thing. Um, but yeah, as, as you were saying, there's a lot that happens here. The, the first, like, third to half of this book, I would say, is kind of like that, where it's like, <laughs> there's a lot of, like, very, very short set pieces and very, very short, like, this happens, this happens, this happens, and it... It's not always clear to me where exactly we should be breaking to talk about it. (laughs) Well, we're professionals, so I'm sure we'll get through it and everyone will agree with our choices. Yeah. Let me ask you something. If you were to describe your mother to someone, would you use the terms beautiful or pretty smelling? Uh, no. (laughs) Yeah. Marco, now, me thinks Freud might have a field day with little Marco. He might. Uh, I I'm, I'm, might have used some slightly creepy terms for a while because, like, uh, the, my mom kind of didn't age for very many years. 
like up until she was around 55-ish, she looked 30. What are you doing? What are you? No, stop. I'm letting you know. We I'm letting you know. We were on, you didn't have to say this. We're, we're on to Marco. I'm just, just I'm just letting you know because you asked me a question I'm answering honestly. Oh my god. Uh, now you want this to be even more awkward if you couple this with the fact Jesus. that like I looked 25 when I was 15. The number of times people have mistaken us for a couple is like at least a dozen over the course of my life. <laughs> you understand <laughs> that this is Designed for yeah. public consumption. Yeah, right? and people are going to hear it. Yeah, you're right. I understand. Okay. <laughs> okay. As long as you understand that. Anyway, awkward. Don't know how to move just, on from listen, that one. You asked a question. <laughs> you asked a question. Awkward. But no, I would not use the phrase pretty smelling. <laughs> All right. Not the last time there's going to be some of that in this book, in my opinion. Uh, Marco also has a picture of his mommy on his bedside table. Mm-hmm. There's also a point made about that him taking turns to use the shower with his dad. Right? Yeah, sure. I thought that his dad is rich now and they bought a nice new house because he got a promotion. Why? I guess they it only have- has one shower. It's a, I'm, I don't know. Like, that's a, a nice house doesn't it's probably got multiple bathrooms, but multiple showers like you have to have a pretty nice house to have multiple baths. And like for Marco, who is coming out of a slummy apartment, like I'm assuming nice house means just means like average. it's the 90s. House. The housing market is is booming. It's, yeah, but like that's not he's a he's like a, what are, he works a for single the dad just NSA decided to go something. buy a two bath house. That's. You don't need a two bath house, even when there's like four or five people living in the in the family. A lot of the time, uh, uh, I've never stingy. in my life lived in a two bath house. Sorry for your. Uh, I'm sorry that you're such a poor piece of shit. <laughs> I think that makes me average. I don't think it makes you average. I think it does. Most, I think at least. Mo? No. Okay. I think, I think that you don't actually have any idea. I do have an idea. I would, I would venture to guess, and listeners can write in. Take it. We'll take a poll. How many people? I feel like. Well, look, in this case, it's a one-child, one-parent household. Okay, it's a little understandable, but. I think in an average nuclear home, if there's two parents and there's at least two kids, it's likely you have a separate bath for the kids and one for the parents. That's what I think. I guess, I guess that does happen relatively often. I guess yeah, that's probably... Because your kids, you bathe your kid in the bathtub. You're not like bringing them in. You usually have like a some kind of a bath. I'm not saying, you know, everybody check my privilege and shit, but... I don't know. It's it seems like his I thought they talked about it like his dad was like in a you know, was like moving up in the world. So I Yeah, me, I mean he is that's he like is moving up one. in the world, but like also like he he's moving up in the world from a position of like he was on they they were like fucked financially, you know? Mm. I guess I don't know. I I, I Either either way, you know, it's and again, probably just in not the necessary. 90s. There's two it's a, he's a single dad with one kid. 
It's a single dad who's got one kid. Okay. I don't know where that came from. I think that that's like a TikTok thing, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, at, what, explain t- why t- I'm out of the loop here. We'll, we'll get Tim Zoomer on to explain that one to you another time. Okay, okay. Now, all right. What else? What else about? Wait. Okay, so, yes. Marco downtown. I mean, if you're, yeah, if you're grilling to get into downtown, I gotta, we gotta talk about this Sutherland Tower. I feel like that has come up before. Have they mentioned this? I don't think they have. I'm just used to the TGS Tower. (laughs) Yeah, the the EGS Tower. This is what I was going to say. They say the Sutherland Tower is the downtown area's tallest building. Maybe it has come up before, because I feel like I've had this complaint before. I don't know. I'm old. My memory is going. What's your complaint? Why? Where is the EGS Tower? Why is this the tallest <laughs> building now? What happened to the EGS Tower? I Did guess it's not... not in the downtown area. Where is it then? Didn't, didn't they like blow it up or something or no? <laughs> no, they knocked something out of the like top story window. They didn't 9-11 that tower? <laughs> no, there there have been no 9-11s in Animorphs. Rachel didn't Yet. morph into a plane <laughs> and crash into it. <laughs> <laughs> she uh, would do that wouldn't you as soon as like in, in a few years when ai is better first thing i'm typing in for to make a movie of rachel from animorphs <laughs> morphing into a plane and doing a 9-11 <laughs> go on bing image generator and we'll... <laughs> yeah but i want it to be like a movie i want it to look real okay 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 i see yeah, um, the Sutherland Tower. Yes, I mean it's a it's a good question. Clearly, we just don't care about the other tower anymore. We have Sutherland Tower. Yeah, this could have been EGS Tower, but what even is was that tower? Like, what was the purpose of it when it wasn't being used for nefarious yerk things? Yeah, I don't, I don't. I have no idea. This one seems to be an office building of sorts. Yeah, which makes sense, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Towers that's got floors in them. You can do that kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, Marco gets, as you said, he gets whacked by a briefcase mm-hmm. <laughs> and he immediately is just casually ready to go get revenge on who he believes to be a complete stranger. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's probably just going to trip her, right? She, she knocked him over. He's going to trip her. He's in a bad mood. He That's dreamed still about quite petty. <laughs> it is yeah. quite petty. I'll give you that. Listen, I'm too much of a coward to do something like that, but I understand the sentiment. (laughs) It was accidental, you know? Yeah. But if you're in a bad mood. It's fine. I was, okay, so I was wondering, they don't really, I I don't think this is the case and they don't seem to delve into it ever again. But when we find out it's Marco's mom, I was, I was thinking, what if that was maybe Marco's mom inside of Yerk brain was like fighting to take control and that's why her arm jerked out and hit him or something. I don't know. Mm. I don't, I don't know. That would be kind of cool, but I don't think that's what happened. Could be. And and there's, uh, I might get into that a little bit at a later point. Um, but yeah, it does seem like at this point that they're just not aware, uh, of Marco's presence in any way. Pure coincidence. This whole thing is complete yeah. coincidence. Eric, the Chi didn't say, Hey, I found yeah. this or one. If Marco had turned down a different street or gone here two minutes later or two minutes earlier, this book doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. 
this doesn't stupid. this doesn't even feel because normally when you say something like that you can be like ah maybe the giant sky wizard that the series made did it but this doesn't <laughs> even feel like that like this isn't his style he does stupider more obnoxious shit than that <laughs> yeah for sure yeah so then he morphs mr grant and you can tell k applegate didn't write this book because his name is mr grant well, not mr granat or something <laughs> I was actually going to say, no, no, this, this name sort of came from K.A. Applegate, but there's a reason why it's oh, not Michael stupid Grant? as fuck. Yeah, because this is very clearly her husband, Michael Grant. Okay. That's where the name comes from. Now, I don't know, maybe the ghostwriter just uh, decided to name it after him uh, because she thought it was funny or because she he was cheating on her. But, um, <laughs> like, One it's also two. possible that she just fed uh, the ghostwriter the name. But yes, that is why this name is normal and reasonable. And it almost feels a little out of place how normal and reasonable it is. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's always just strange when they int- feature a background character like this. <laughs> I don't know. It's, mm-hmm. it's It never feels quite natural to me. Mr. Grant seems kind of gross, too. Yeah, well, he's just old and fat. I think yeah. we can relate to that a little, maybe. Uh, not me. Mm, okay. Yeah, not really for either of those, but I maybe yeah. I could see where maybe you could. Now this is thinking that this is is this the first time we've ever like had a description of a human turning into another human? Like we've we've had aliens turning into humans. We've had humans turning into humans like kind of off screen, and we don't really describe it. You know, but a lot of times when they morph new animals, we get these long passages that that are like, and then, you know, my extra legs sprouted out and this happened and blah. Here we get like this long explanation of like how he gets a bunch of extra belly and butt fat and his hair falls out or whatever. And uh, like, have we done that with human to human before? I can't. We might have once maybe, but I cannot recall. Yeah, it I'm trying to think, when have they turned into a human? Syropedia, why aren't you uh, helping us out here? Um, I don't uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I swear there was know. at least one other instance of an Animorph doing it, but all I can come up with is David and aliens. Syropedia says, the first time Marco acquires a human morph, if one counts Axe and his acquiring of Jake, Rachel, Cassie, I, and Marco's DNA as separate ex- acquisitions, this marks the 11th time an Animorph has acquired a human morph. Okay, now hold on. Now we have to do math. <laughs> so if, if one counts, so Axe and is acquiring of five other people. So that's, no, I would count that as just one. So this is actually the sixth time there's been a human morph acquired, according to Syropedia? Yeah, and, and two of them are David. Because oh, David did. Are they counting him? I, I don't know. Maybe. They're counting he was an animal five times for Axe. So then, yeah, what are the other two or three? I don't know, but yeah, can't think uh, of it. Did they t- did they turn into somebody when they were doing the hologram president meeting or something? Or no? Mm, maybe they did. I don't know, but yeah, it, this is three did. This Listen, is probably this the is most riveting. detailed one. Now, people, this is what these fucking freaks love. <laughs> <laughs> They're all fucking jerking off listening to this shit. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, how many times? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they love this well, shit. What's the problem? We don't even know. I know. They know. We we know what's what what matters most. Um Speaking uh, of jerking off. 
<laughs> yeah. So there's a, a part in here where uh, some lady in the office walks in on, you know, quote unquote, Mr. Grant, the Marco, basically. He's he, he's got a morph Mr. Grant to keep his cover. So she, she walks in the office. All the lights are off. He's like crouched over behind some other guy's desk. And she's like, uh, is that you, Mr. Grant? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. Don't come in. And she's like, are you sure? And he's like, yep. Yeah, could you uh, um, um, go uh, get, me a, get me a coffee, please? Yep. Like... <laughs> from her perspective he's jerking off right <laughs> like, well like, no, maybe, like what maybe else is happening here there could be another a lady there there could this could be an office romance that I, I guess i mean he's behind um carlos's desk it says so maybe there's maybe it's uh, a guy <laughs> yeah. we don't well, discriminate i uh, i don't mr grant doesn't strike me as being into that <laughs> okay because <laughs> marco would have Marco, yeah, well, I think Marco would have morphed and been like, whoa, all of a sudden, I, I, I think uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is so pretty. It does seem like Marco is the type to say that. <laughs> yeah, that would have been the first thing out of his mouth. <laughs> Notice they didn't mention what it was like to have Mr. Grant's dick. <laughs> didn't come up. I wonder why. <laughs> Uh, uh, I, I could, I was had some ideas on how to respond to that and decided that uh, better of it. <laughs> for the best, I, I do get some mixed messages from Marco here when he's, initially his quote is that uh, their DNA was mine. And I was excited because I was going, Cassie's not around to ruin the party. Yeah. Marco's on his own. It's it's human morph time, baby. We're We're breaking all the rules. And then he goes... I had no intention of actually morphing this man. And I'm like, yeah, you did. Who are you fucking trying to kid? You said his DNA is yours. What are you going to do with it? You wanted yeah. to morph him. You're right. There are a couple points in this book where I'm not 100% sure that Marco is being a reliable narrator about his own motivations. <laughs> I do like that this does never uh, like get resolved. He never comes up. He never tells the rest of the group yeah. this happened. He just yeah, he keeps specifically it to leaves this out. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is what out. all the books, if it weren't for Cassie, this is what all the books could be like. You could get a lot of yes. uh, Mr. Grant's Fun. walking around. Yeah. Fun. He, I mean, he does take a lot of unnecessary risks in this scene. Yeah. The scene where he morphs fly in the elevator is one of the more unbelievable things that's happened in Animorphs. And that's a little, like... <laughs> I almost like, thought... Because he he has a description of everyone in the elevator staring straight ahead. Yeah. Almost as if I, I thought they were going to reveal that they were under hypnosis or something. And that was going to be the justification for it. Yeah, it feels like it's more just like when you're in the elevator, you just kind of stand there and don't look at the other people. And, you know. Just social norms. It's just social it's, norms. So nobody but then looks somebody over looks. the corner. Yeah, somebody does look and like kind of screams, but by the time anybody else looks, it's too late. And they're all just like, I don't know what her problem was, which that is kind of believable. If some lady like screamed <laughs> at nothing in an elevator. I'm like, first thought's going to be like, oh, shit, what's that? And then when I realize it's nothing, I'm going to be like, oh, she's crazy. All right, I'm not dealing with that. But yeah. like, I, I, I don't. I, I can't imagine being in an elevator and not being aware of everything else going out around in there. Yeah, like, like even though you're not looking directly at people, you you're aware of what they're doing because if if they're looking at you, you notice that immediately. You you want to make sure that you're not standing with the weirdo, right? You don't walk straight into an elevator and just stare at the back wall. 
Right. No, I don't do that. Even don't I you? don't do that. That <laughs> <laughs> was a little, they talk about that on Mind Hunter. Okay, we can go to the next scene. <laughs> okay. Now that we've uh, talked about Mind Hunter. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's let's just do a little bit here. There's, uh, you know, Marco uh, g- g- comes back to school in the middle of the day. He calls a meeting uh, in the barn. There's like a little run-in with Chapman. Um, so getting everybody together in in the barn, they, they kind of figure out that, okay, so, so Visser One's here on Earth, uh, and she seems like she's here undercover, right? Because in Book 15, Visser Three saw them spare her. So the Yerks probably think that she's like a traitor, and so she's probably here undercover to try to take Visser Three down. Um, Jake uh, sends um, Tobias and Axe to go scout her room that night in Sutherland Tower, and Marco talks his way into going as well. Um, Jake uh, lets him do it, but says Tobias is in charge and gives Tobias the authority to make all the calls. Um, Don't have a lot to say so far. Did you want to talk about anything that happens in the school or the barn? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I got a few things. Well, uh, you know, yeah. uh, kind of a recurring subject for us is trying to figure out exactly how to place this series in, in time in mm-hmm. any given book, as well as how old these kids are. And they do reference, he says, our school has no guards or metal detectors like they have in the high schools. So we can assume they're still not in high school yet, according to this okay. book. So they are still in the middle school. So Gotta assume prop- eighth grade. I guess eighth grade, yeah. Gotta be. Unless this is a weird... Yeah, no, it's gotta be, right? I don't know. That's that's what I'm thinking. Okay. Uh, I did have to kind of refresh my memory a little here because I forgot the whole business with um, Marco's pr- pretending to be a controller and his mom thinking that he's a controller now. That So I was a little confused, but I got caught up and I remembered <laughs> after a minute. <laughs> But I got to think people reading this book at the time, you know, it was like seven months later instead of me, which was like three. It's probably harder. I don't know. Mm-hmm. This I don't know. that Maybe people were confused, but not as confused as I was about the other, the other part of this section, which made me think of what was the other uh, book? Was it the the one, the Howler's book? Where, there, there was some book where they just... Oh no, it wasn't. It wasn't an Animorphs book. It was. It was on the Patreon when we talked about the movie The Faculty. <laughs> so, if, uh, non-Patreon subscribers, you'll have to just go listen to that to get the context here. But uh, this a whole section where they go, oh, you know, I, I, it seems like Visser Three uh, is a traitor, or Visser One is a traitor, and Visser Three is going after her, and uh, just they. They make all, so many assumptions, in my opinion, mm-hmm. that all turn out to be 100% correct. Yeah. But I'm sitting here like, wait a minute. How do you – like, they just saw – Marco says, I saw my mom. And they immediately go, she's wearing a wig. She must be considered a traitor now. And Visser 3 is trying to go after her. And all these little dots connecting yeah. that I'm going, where – how are you – everyone is just like, makes sense to me. <laughs> Yeah, no, I feel you, because, like, it does make sense, but, like, 
you know, there's a difference between that explanation makes sense and that explanation is the like probable definite one. You know, you come up with <laughs> yeah. 10 explanations that make sense. Because I was in my head, I'm thinking of Visser. She's Visser number fucking one. Mm-hmm. So uh, the her being framed as a traitor and they they justify it in the book, I think it was we'll get mm-hmm. to. But to me, that seemed like a big leap of logic, because I, if anything, I would think it's the other way around because she outranks him. Why would he like why would him saying something against her carry weight when she is a big, bigger fish on the food chain or whatever metaphor I want to mix there. It it didn't, I didn't, I just didn't, that's not what I ever would have thought. I I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're both uh, yelling up the food chain here to the council of 13. You know, it's not clear to me how much of York politics is, is uh, understood like just too much through the lens of Visser one and Visser three. Cause I, I always just have this sense that, that, you know, all the high-ranking people are anybody who's like near you in rank. You're just constantly throwing out accusations of like you're a traitor to the empire and you should be executed. You're a traitor to the empire, and like secretly everybody is just constantly doing like death penalty offenses all the time, and nobody actually cares. But but you know, this is kind of how I view all of this. But maybe that's just Visser One and Visser Three. Yeah, it's it's a little unclear. Do we ever find out about Visser two? Because <laughs> we've God, seen they Visser must 4. mention him at some point. I'm sure they do at some point, and I'm just not remembering. Yeah, I guess it's not clear to me. I guess they're just basically military generals, kind of. Is their yeah, role basically. like? Do they have political power or none at all? They do have political power in the sense that this is an entirely militaristic empire. So the generals right. have political power. I guess that's true in our society as well. But it's not, though, because the generals are not like governors. Well, but, but you know, in a sense, yeah. like you have indirect. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But here they have direct because okay. they don't they 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 don't have like. They don't have governors, right? They, they've got their governing Ooh, okay. body, the Council of Thirteen, and yeah. then directly under them are the generals, and everybody is reporting to a general. Like, I, Visser right. Three can just kill people, and he, there's no repercussions. <laughs> you know, like his own men, I mean. <laughs> yeah, unless someone higher up the food chain says that he is uh, not allowed to do that, which he is not allowed. I'm pretty sure he is just straight up not allowed to do that, but it doesn't matter because someone higher up would have to, like, accuse him of it and make it stick, and there aren't a lot of people like that. And most of them don't actually give a shit that he's violating that rule. Almost seems like York society maybe wouldn't work out <laughs> with all these leaders like this. I don't know. Um, I don't know if everyone but Visser 1 is as stupid and power-hungry as Visser 3, but... I mean, I suspect that Visser One also does her fair share of executions. She's just not stupid. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, probably. All right. There's also um, a part here where uh, Rachel um, mouths two words that Marco will not repeat. Mm, yeah. And I assume it's cunt twice. That's probably right. Yeah, she does that because Marco says uh, he tries to mouth the word alive to her. (laughs) And Rachel clearly does not know what the fuck he's trying to say. But he says that she misread him. I wonder what she thought he was doing. 
Yeah, I don't like she was offended by like alive. I don't know what I'm trying to figure out what you'd think that yeah. is. Yeah, maybe she's just like it's probably something that I hate because it's. Marco. I'm sh- I'm sure it's something vulgar. He's a who fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah, right. Also, it's it is funny of Marco to think that she'll have any clue what he's talking about. Yeah, a lie. Oh, like even if she oh, got the word alive. <laughs> yeah, you're alive. Okay, cool. I don't. <laughs> yeah. As far as little moments at school, I also do like the part where uh, Marco shows up halfway through the day and he's starting to talk to Jake and Chapman is like, Marco, nice of you to join us. And instead of being like, oh, shit, Jake's like, that's your problem, dude, and leaves. (laughs) (laughs) You you skip school, you go deal with it. (laughs) Yeah, pretty funny. And another another instance of just imagining this yerk that has to be like, got to do my job disciplining children today. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. And Marco, I, I, there's a bit of it because Marco does a whole spiel where he's like, oh, yeah, it was like a thing with my dad. You can call him and check and da da da. And Chapman's like, I'm not dealing with that. Just go to class. <laughs> I bet that's the one thing I bet in, I bet in Chapman's head. Him and the Yerk are like, we can both agree we hate Marco. <laughs> I may not be behind the whole human enslavement thing, but yeah, this guy is an asshole. <laughs> Do not want to deal with this. Yeah, I mean, go, going back to the whole like having a Yerk in your head thing, like maybe that would make it, if if it wasn't for the whole enslavement thing, maybe that would make it a little more bearable that uh, you deal with somebody you hate and then in your head you get to be like, fuck that guy. And, and the slug's like, yeah, I know, man, right? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of fun. <laughs> Yeah. I bet That's there's a, a begrudging pitch. respect between the two of them. <laughs> yeah. They like Gotta each be. other. Yeah, they do. I ship them. Same. I'm I'm going to write the fanfic where uh where Chapman tries to explain to his daughter that her new parent is the yerk inside of his head that he's in love with. <laughs> and she has to accept their love. And people <laughs> are writing down all these fanfic ideas so we don't forget them. Yeah, was there another one? We've had a lot of fanfic ideas over the course of this show that were all really, really good. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Take your word for it. Yeah. Uh, All right. So, so, So Axe, Tobias, and Marco, they're going back to that office that night. So they show up at the office. They go roach, like on the cover. Um... There's like a big old scene where they run down the railing of a stairwell. We, you know, and some guys like roaches. Um, did you, there was a lot of pages dedicated to this, and that is all I have to say about it is that it happened. Can, can I keep going? Um, are we are we trying to make sure I'm like, which part am I looking at before we got to roaches? There was well, one section. Yeah. yeah, I'm just going to go right on to infiltrating Visser 1's room. Like, if you have something to talk about before we get in there. I do think we should just highlight the little conversation with Marco and Jake. Oh, yeah. He, he's, he says that, yeah. um, you know, he it's a, it's a recurring theme, but he drives home again that Jake is in his commander era. Yes. And uh, he says, see, seeing he sees how old Jake has gotten, and he has to stop himself from responding to him by saying, "Yes, sir." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like they are, they have very their relationship has changed a lot from them being buds who hang out and play Nintendo. Uh, I wish there was more of the buds Doom. playing Nintendo, so that like 
just more of those. They 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 reference it a fair bit in the early books. I I kind of wish there had been more of it so that this change would hit me a little harder. Mm-hmm. Especially in this book, it doesn't really. It just it, it feels like they have this one section, and it would be nice if that theme were expounded upon. Yeah, that is a point. That is one character relationship that hasn't had a ton of exploration. Like it's referenced all the time, and we see it show up all the time, but I don't know if it's ever been like fully explored yet the way that we we've seen like a little bit, you know, like, I I, I don't know. Yeah. Tobias and Rachel, Jake and Cassie. Yeah. It's been more just, yeah. Jake and Rachel. Yeah. And like book 22, Uh, they've had their, their conversations and stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It would be, that's, you know, it's an interesting, they're the only, people in this friend group who are actually friends, right? <laughs> like, uh, Cassie and Rachel are actually okay. friends. Okay, you're right, you're right. Cassie Cassie and Rachel is the other one. When we've seen plenty of them together. I, uh, but yeah, like everyone else is kind of friends by circumstance. Mm-hmm. And they, they're like, I, you know, I believe they would hang out outside of Animorphs. They did before. So yeah, I get maybe this is just a symptom of male friendships that they're not. <laughs> neither of them wants to talk about their feelings for each other. Although we did have, that, was I it think Marco? that has come up actually. Like there have been a couple points where where Jake was just like, I'm uh, the weird. I can't talk about where Jake's like, I got to talk about this with Cassie because like me and Marco are bros. We don't talk about stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Was it Marco in the last book who was like, No, I I don't want to let Jake die. Or was yeah, that yeah, yeah. Was Marco, Marco was like that last book. Okay, so yeah, there's, there's, it's, it's, it's in there a little bit, but yeah, you know, get so confused when you say the last book because I keep thinking the last <laughs> like, main series book, which was actually two books ago. The previous book we read. Yeah. <laughs> Not grass. <laughs> no, I read that a bit ago. <laughs> uh, all right. So oh, and okay. also, okay, yeah, well. Yeah. There, Mm-hmm. Uh, to turn into a cockroach, real quick. Yeah. Marco talks about how dis- disgusting it looks when Tobias turns into a cockroach from hawk to roach. Mm-hmm. He says, Mother Nature didn't come up with a bird bug on her own for good reason. Uh, mm-hmm. Can I introduce Marco to the hummingbird moth? Thank you. Mm. Wow. Yeah, a little good nature job. for you. I'm mm-hmm. proud of you. You brought <laughs> in a little nature thing. Well, so there's a They Might Be Giant song about it. Mm, okay, that, that makes more sense. <laughs> yeah, that's how I knew. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, get on so with it already. They, they're, they're, they're infiltrating Visser One's room. They get in there. Um, and uh, they get in there and demorph in there. And, uh, and I guess this room is what's on the inner cover of the book. Right. I guess this is where Marco is. That's Visser One's room here in the Sutherland Tower. Okay. Um, okay. And uh, and they demorph, and they see that there is a portable pool there. And uh, Marco's mom is, like, bound into it. And it's, like, kind of a complicated setup, so, like, her head is turned away from them, so she doesn't see them demorph, so uh, she doesn't, like, know that they're there uh, or, or that it's Marco or whatever. Um but it's this like weird kind of thing where she's like bound in a kneeling position with her head turned to the side and her ear in the pool so she can get reinfested um by by the slug right <laughs> um and yeah and, and 
I'll, I'll just also say right here, I think it's a little bit um, odd mm. that the demorphing doesn't make any sounds and she doesn't seem to know that they're there. And anyway, <laughs> uh, demorphing is quiet. It's like a video game. They're outside of her zone. Sure, it makes schloop sounds and stuff. <laughs> yeah, don't you hear bones cracking and shit? Yeah, maybe that's... I don't know. Nobody heard him turning into a fly, so... (laughs) That's true, yeah. That's true. Um, But yeah, Marco, like, wants to rescue her, but they're like, I don't know that you're going to be able to break those bonds. If we fail here, they'll know exactly who you are. So, like, they're, they're, like, waiting and retreating. Um, But looking around the room, they also see that Visser One has a bunch of, like, surveillance equipment and images of the free hork So she knows about the free hork And they um, also determine that she has a couple of emergency Candrona particle generators. So I guess she has two because they say she has enough for six more days. Um, so, yeah. So she's got this little guerrilla operation going on out of the Sutherland Tower. She's got Wait her, a minute. her personal That's Marco's devices. thing. Oh, that must be because they're related. Oh, fun. Um, so let's, uh, let's talk for a bit about this before the, the crazy thing happens, I guess. Yeah, this, this is the, you know, the mission with just, just the boys note and not, and daddy's not around mm. to watch them. Mm, mm, it's the dream team. Point. Yeah. Tobias, yeah. Axe, and Marco. Yeah, you're right. I hadn't thought about team. that. According to Seropedia, oh, I read boys. this is the second time that th- this team has been assembled. Wow. When was the first time? Uh, <laughs> I f- forget. I didn't I don't remember. Okay. Maybe we should keep track of that oh, more. The like escape. Uh, it was in the escape book, uh, 15. Mm, Marco books like the, the, the aquarium team. one. Yeah. Okay. That's a long time ago. That's 50. That's half a series ago. Yeah. That anyway. is, uh, when you put it in perspective like that, it, it is kind of like we had a lot you know, we had Marco's mom. We set up the whole thing. We did a thing in book 15 and half the series later, we're going to do another thing with Marco's mom again. (laughs) Yeah. Marco's Uh, mom has got it going on. Yeah. It's been 15 books since you sang that. (laughs) Did I sing that in book 15? Probably. I think you did. (laughs) But we had another Marco's mom book in between too. Did we? Didn't we? Wait, was the escape that was the book with the Lyrans when it blew the, up? No, no, no. So, so the book with the Lyrans was book eighteen, but she wasn't there. She was like overseeing that stuff. So, like she she was overseeing the shark project to be used on Lyra, and it was Visser Four who ran the Lyran invasion. This is but why I don't remember any of this Lyra. shit. I didn't realize this happened so long ago. I thought this was like book twenty two or something i mean no that was david whatever but i i I, we've been running around with the chi here maybe i'm conflating like i think two different books in my head or something but the book where she we think she might be dead that was book 15 yeah wow I, i didn't think it was that long ago yeah, it's been a while. Well, now I feel better even about not remembering. Again, in real time when these books came out, so that would have been over a year yeah. since since reading that. I mean, that's a that's a long time to be still wondering what's going on with Marco's mom. 
Yeah, you're, 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 I agree with you on that. That's kind of some like restraint on the, on their part, the, the publisher's part of letting it sit that long, I guess, in a way. I don't know. <laughs> Again, I don't think they. Too much credit, maybe. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think they put any input into what Kay Applegate was well, doing. Well, I say publisher, I mean, you know, the whole operation. Okay, okay. Um, okay. Okay. Anyway, yeah. So, but but yeah, I mean, this I, I don't know. This, is this scene like that? This scene. The, do you get like the the intense emotion from this scene where Marco's like inches away from his mom? He could literally reach out and touch her, but like he can't do anything. Like that that that's like kind of a horrifying like image. Yeah, I mean, the thing itself, the device of the yerk pool that holds their neck in place, mm-hmm. which we have never really, we've seen portable Candrona devices, but I don't, and and, and portable yerk pools, but I, I don't think it's, we've ever, at least I have never considered, oh yeah, like how do you get in and out of the host without them yeah. running away? So it makes sense that some, <laughs> this is like the, <laughs> I don't know, I'm picturing like the the sharper image, <laughs> mm-hmm. now, the new neck holder device attachment is going to change your life. I don't know. Anyway, stupid. <laughs> it was stupid. It is. I find that pretty horrifying. Mm-hmm. Even though, I mean, we've seen that happen. It's. I mean, it's also just as horrifying when they just hold them or put them in a cage. But just the idea that, oh yeah, you just throw them in a. But aren't they? Couldn't they be screaming or something? It doesn't gag them. Yeah. No. I mean, she she says like go to hell or something as she's getting reinfested. So she could be screaming. I guess she's soundproofed the room with her. Um, I guess alien technology she's using hologram paint on the windows uh, (laughs) they say so she's got like alien tech of some kind to make the place so we'll um (laughs) you know we'll come back to the to the york pool since you brought it up what the fuck is a hologram paint (laughs) you you mean a hologram they describe what? it. You paint it on the back of the glass yeah, and it projects it an image. Okay, yeah, tell me what it says. Yeah, project a hologram onto the back of this paint. What? And thereby disguise a room. <laughs> Wait, so you paint something and you project the hologram onto the paint? <laughs> Why don't they just say there was a hologram? I don't understand the need to invent a type of paint. We know what holograms are. This feels like somebody who has a very specific idea of exactly what alien holograms are and how they work and is trying to, like, figure out a real-world engineering solution to get around the limitations of, like, you know, how reality interacts with the technology. You know, but this is not that... That, that this is not hard sci-fi, right? <laughs> you can just say like there was a hologram and it's fine. Like We've yeah, in the real world there are holograms. Before. Yeah, because like you could say like okay, but like maybe it doesn't work because if you're in the room, it'll look like a hologram or something weird or like it doesn't work well with the window or there. I like I need it to not be a hologram in the room, but only from the outside. And there's something about the angles that make but I, I i do think that all of that is just like you could just say it was a hologram it's it's fine <laughs> right we don't understand yeah. how holograms work enough to nitpick that it was so confusing to me because this is just there are certain shortcuts you can take in fiction 
where mm-hmm. it's just like, yeah, 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 it's a, it's a hologram, like nano machines or whatever the hell. You don't need to explain the science behind it. It's just unnecessarily confusing. I guess it's maybe as a kid, I'd be like, wow, this is like a new idea I haven't ever imagined before. And maybe I would have thought that was cool. So I don't know. I don't remember this at all from when I was a kid. Like, this is the part that's just like, oh, yeah, that's there. It made no impact on me as a child. (laughs) That's well, that's good. I'm wondering if something else made an impact on you as a child, because I feel like this uh, York pool might have put some fetishes into some kids. (laughs) Mm. It holds it restrains you and holds your neck in place and you're helpless and can't move and like screaming while a slug is about to come back into your ear. Yeah, I see it. And your head's like half submerged. I like I could see it's a mom. (laughs) Yeah. They go out of their way to talk about how beautiful and pretty smelling she is. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I see where you're going. Marco, I'm stuck. I'm stuck in the yerk pool. <laughs> what are you doing, stepmommy? <laughs> this is the real mommy, though. Well, the yerk is the stepmommy. Mm. <laughs> what are you Marco doing, yerk mommy? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I guess this is my way of trying to say that personally, I thought it was pretty hot. <laughs> okay. Would have been better if it was a dryer, but you know. Yeah. Now to your point, I do think that the Marco mom relationship, I mean, we're going to get into it deeper in this book, but the, the, the horror of it is they'd spend a lot of time on it in this book and it's pretty well expressed. I think I did mm-hmm. kind of think in this scene, I guess I can see why maybe it's not in their interest, but I don't know. Part of me just can't help but go, eh, just, just reach in there and squash it. <laughs> just stick your hand in there and pick it up. Throw it somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, it's not that fast. It doesn't know you're in the room. Run up to the thing, reach inside, grab it. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's not, it's not crazy. Uh, I understand why with cooler heads in charge, you're looking at it like, well, I don't know if we can move the pool. I don't know if we can cut the bonds or get them to release so even if we kill Visser 1, the host body still might be here. And then, what, somebody's going to come check on her at some point, maybe? And then, and then what, we either kill the mom or do, like, I don't know what we can do about it without blowing cover. Um, but it's also not unreasonable to be all like, well, she's uh, we assume she's undercover with, you know, and we assume that she's, you know, being hunted, so... Uh, maybe she's hiding and nobody's going to come back. So maybe you just kill the Yerk and do, you know, we take forever. Maybe, maybe Marco's mom knows some passcode or something. Uh, yeah. it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been crazy to just say, fuck it. Just, just kill the Yerk and let's see if we can get her out of there. Yeah, I would have thought, but they decide, no, that's, yeah. I, I understand why Axe would say no. And I understand why Tobias would go along with that. I almost feel like Axe should be the one who's, you know, he's like that filthy, disgusting yerk, and he's just sticking his tail right in and piercing her on the stick like a kebab. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess it's both. There, there's a bit of both of that for Axe. Uh, yeah. If Rachel were here, they, 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 that yerk would be dead. <laughs> well, yeah, and so would Marco's mom. She would have just, she would just like, let's just blow up the office. 
Yeah, you know, what happens if someone comes in and finds her? Okay, then we kill her. <laughs> They're having a big debate. They're like, what should we do? I don't know. Is this safe? And then meanwhile, they look over and you're just just fucking stomping the whole building. That was my elephant, by the way. Did that sound That was really good Convincing. Okay. I liked it. All right. All right. So, well, a bunch of Hork-Bajur do bust in to kill her. Uh, like they they like retreat and go hide in the bathroom. A bunch of Visitor Three's heart bajir bust into the room uh, as as she's being reinfested reinfested and freeing herself. Um. So you know she's like they're they're about to just say like I'll oh, let him kill each other. She pulls a Drake on whatever, but at Marco's request, he convinces them to go out and save her and fight off all of Visitor Three's heart bajir. So there's a big action sequence. Um. So Visser 1's now in even bigger trouble because the Visser 3's guys have seen the Andalites come help her once again. So this is, you know, two times now. Um, and they offer to... Marco's kind of getting a plan working here. So they offer to work together with her to get Visser 3. Um, and she agrees that she'll help them get Visser 3 on the condition that they give her the free hork Valley. Um... So Marco uh, gets Tobias to agree to her condition because he's got wheels spinning. He's got an idea. Now, we don't find out exactly what his idea is yet, but he's he's got a whole plan here. Um, so they they cut a deal, all right? And, and, and it's very explicit. Both of them say out loud that, like, okay, the, the other one is going to betray them first opportunity they get, right? They're just like, all right, we'll, we'll work together to get Visser 3 here, and uh, first one of us who gets the chance to kill the other will also do that. Um, and they also both kind of know that the other one is lying to them in some sense. Um, okay, so okay. this is... This is kind of what you've been asking for for a while, isn't it? With uh, is it? the bad guys and the good guys working together. Oh yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, I guess that is. Yeah, that's fun. That is good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like that. You yeah. kind of wanted that. It is good. That is pretty good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do think that's good. Uh, I d- I did wonder what. So we find out that. Visser 1 knows uh, clearly Visser 1 is far more competent than Visser 3. It's demonstrated several times in this book. Yes. And she already she knows that there's a, a Hork Bajir colony, which I don't think Visser 3 even knows about, or does he know because they've been like raiding it, I them, I guess, from time to time. I think Visser 3 is just like like he thought the initial free Hork Bajir were killed, and then they're getting raided by free Hork Bajir. I don't know what I guess Visser 3 must know that there is a free hork colony somewhere, somehow. But don't they seem surprised that she knows about it when she brings it up? Or yeah. I don't. It seems like they think nobody knows about it. I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm not sure. Like, it does make sense that she wouldn't know. Like, in the context of this book, it seems like Visser 3 has been trying very hard to keep quiet, to keep it quiet, right? Like, one of the mm. things that Visser 1 is here to do is to go to the Council of 13 and say, look how incompetent Visser 3 is. He's got these Andalite bandits. He has an exterminator. He's got free hork right? The only free hork in the whole galaxy. Visser 3, let it happen, blah, blah, blah. So it would make sense from that perspective that he doesn't want, he wants to keep it quiet. But you're right. It does seem like the Animorphs, feel like he just doesn't even know at all. But then in this book, it kind of feels like he does know. 
<laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's. I, it seems like I think in past books he must have known. I don't know. He could, mm-hmm. obviously the one thing he doesn't know is where it is, and neither does yeah. she. I guess. Um, yeah. I was wondering at first. Oh, is she gonna? Is she trying to hunt him down, or maybe she's gonna help arm them? And just maybe mm. her quest for revenge is so great that she no longer cares about the Yurk cause or something. But she, she does. Yeah, no, she's she's totally loyal to the, well, I don't know if loyal is the right word, but she she she's got the Council of Thirteen, right? Like if she can get them on her side, then like she can have Visser Three executed and she can have all her former glory. So she's she's not willing to turn her back on that. Yes, we find out th- this scene confirms all the theories about her. We find out everything they said was hundred percent correct. Yes, she's been demoted to sub Visser. Pretty harsh. Yeah, that's pretty harsh. All the way down to sub. You're telling me Visser three never fucked up bad enough to get even down to four or five, and she goes from one to sub from one little mm-hmm. mess up. That's harsh. Yeah, fucked up on Lyra, and she also. I mean, she did. The Lyra was lost entirely, although it was Visser four in charge. I don't know, but she also. Well, wait a second. Wait a second. Yeah. So it was Visser four in charge. And then they changed the entire timeline. Well, Maybe we don't need to wasn't... talk about that. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. No, I think I think Visser 4 was still in charge. But she... <laughs> Let's <laughs> but not. She... Let's just... Yeah. I think we just pretend okay. that book kind of didn't happen, right? <laughs> it's just easier that way. But she's also been accused of being a traitor. And I actually have... Uh, I'm trying... See, the pro... I, I, just going off of this book... I think there is reason to believe that um that it's it's possible that maybe she wasn't really demoted to subvisor or like she was Whoa. officially demoted to subvisor but maybe sort of not like maybe that is a political play huh. where she kind of still has visor 1 power but she's being called subvisor I don't know that's a a theory yeah, when we get to the end of the book, uh, you'll you'll see some stuff with that. Okay. But, oh, all right. Maybe um, I missed it. I don't know. I, I don't know. But uh, anyway, th- there's th- maybe that's too spoilery to talk about now. But she, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, she has been demoted to subvisor here. All right. Uh, Axe is. I think Axe is a good fighter now. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of reminiscent of Elfangor. Being a prodigy, because there's like a whole bit where he like some Horkbajir ass and they like run away and they're scared of him. Yeah. So I, I feel like there's been progress for, I mean, he was always kind of a good fighter, but here it seems like he's a real badass. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. Yeah. Uh, here's uh, something I found strange. And I think this happened a couple times in the last book too. Elfangor secret. Uh, Referring to people as meat. <laughs> Have you picked up on this? Interesting. I don't think I have. It's like, happened. I know Karen said it in book 19, but. Uh, yeah, it's definitely. And maybe I maybe I even brought it up already. But I've, I've noticed it more in this book. And, and I think the last one or the one before that, that is basically instead of saying someone is dead meat, they just shorten it and say, oh, they're meat. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that okay. Oh, okay. you're yeah, you're talking about a I different I thought you meant like context. a Yurk saying that, which I couldn't think of that happening. Oh, 
Interesting. Yeah. yeah. yeah just go there. Me- you're you're going to be meat, buddy. Which is, I've never heard that before. And it's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. It's a is little that, grosser than dead meat. It's, it's funny. Grosser. You take the word dead out and it feels grosser. Yeah. Because dead meat is not a, that f- no longer means anything. Like you don't think about the actual meaning of it. It's just a, it's just sounds that mean yeah. you're going to get beat up. Whereas meat is like, ugh, <laughs> that's <laughs> icky. Yeah, I feel you on that. I'm trying to figure out is that a was that slang or was that was that them trying to do a Joss Whedon and invent a slang or is this like a maybe this is persons from maybe some of these ghostwriters are from different regions it, where they say it <laughs> trying to avoid the word dead for censorship purposes. Maybe that's what know. it is. Yeah, maybe they said dead me- No, but they talk about death all the fucking time. Yeah, so. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't know, just something I think is weird. Yeah, uh, uh, and I, I, you know what? Maybe we'll. Oh wait, when do we talk about Marco and his mom and whether or not she lives or dies? Uh, what do you mean by that? I just I feel like a a kind of the the core of this book mm. is the the conflict of between Marco his desire to save the human race and everyone else being like, Oh, Marco doesn't have the guts to kill his own mom. And Marco saying, no, no, I I can totally kill my own mom. Yeah. I think there's going to be more of that coming up. Like right here, you can sort of, there's like uh, kind of like that suspicion where you, you know, the other characters, uh, they don't really know what Marco is playing at here because he doesn't explain his plan. Um, But yeah, he personally starts dwelling on that more, uh, as we go on. Um, but there are a couple other things that happen here uh, sure. first. Like, for example, I very much appreciate how almost immediately uh, Visser One, like, suspects them, right? Like, like the, oh, yeah. one of the first things she says is she's, is she's just like, how come only one of you ever talks? Visser Three's stupid. There's something he's missing. <laughs> Something's weird about you guys. That's not right. I don't know what, what's going on, but that's not right. <laughs> like imagine if she was the antagonist this whole time. She would have found him out in book two. It is a very interesting choice because up and without that, you can simply assume that everything uh, in these books up until this point, you can excuse it by saying, "Look, it's for kids." And Visser Three doesn't figure it out because other then the series just wouldn't work anymore. It's just it's kind of a. You know, it's a conceit. It's just something you have to mm-hmm. deal with. But this just solidifies that actually Visser 3 is just really stupid. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like you are also supposed to understand that that Visser 1 is extremely smart, too. But, like, yes, like the, this does solidify that he's very stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a little of both. Mm-hmm. Mainly the former, in my opinion. <laughs> Well, yeah, and she, she like, gets so close. She's, like, right there. And she does figure it out later. Spoilers, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Um, but, yeah, no, it is, it is, uh, it is, and the only reason she doesn't cause, is because she's like, eh, fuck it, I'll kill him, and then we'll, you know, I'll deal with that once we've dealt with this or three. I have, pl- I'll have plenty of time once I, you know, resume command of everything. And they, uh, she says they issued a gashad on her. yeah. A gashad, yeah, a warrant to kill on sight. Kind of like a, it's like a fatwa. <laughs> it's a lot like a fatwa. 
Uh, yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Uh, speaking of d- dumb words, uh, so Dracon beams in this series, they're always written as onomatopoeia. It's always like, tiu, tiu, right? And like in all caps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's a part here where viscer one is is all like you know we'll get viscer three together and then and she like points a, a mime like a finger gun at them she's like and then tew! which in the book reads well but when you say it out loud it sounds very stupid it does not sound threatening right like it doesn't have the same powers like and then bang you know bang is a good strong word tew sounds dumb well, why are you bringing this up now? Is hasn't this been happening since book one? Well, I'm just bringing it up now because uh, when I'm reading the sound effects, I'm imagining the sound of a dracon beam. But here, I'm imagining the sound of a woman saying the word "tsu" <laughs> <laughs> because she says it. Oh, I see. In yes. Quotes. <laughs> she makes a gun hand and she yeah. mim- mimes doing that, and she says out loud "tsu." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's just what made me uh, think of it. Yeah, that's kind of funny. But yeah. she looks stupid. <laughs> uh, uh, I like uh, right after this too. I, I just want to point out they they need to uh, morph into birds to leave. And Axe, uh, uh, sorry, Marco says to Axe, "Let's get wings." And I bet Axe was like, "I want a different kind of wings." Mm, mm, yeah, I bet he was. Sure Can I just it. say Tobias is not a good leader? Like Jake, Jake is specifically like, Margo, you're too close to this. You can't make the calls on it. Tobias is in charge. And, and they come in here and Marco's like, just let me let me make this play, Tobias. I'm going to cut a deal with her to give her the free Hork-Bajir for Visser 3. I've got a plan. Okay, don't worry about it. And Tobias is like, all right, Marco, but you're going to answer to Jake on that one. Jake specifically put you in charge so this wouldn't happen immediately washes his hands of the whole thing yeah I think that is very in character but I mean there's a reason Tobias never leads missions (laughs) (laughs) yeah no he he, he works better alone yeah or as a support character (laughs) yeah I mean I got I got bones to pick with Tobias in this book. Okay. And everybody, I, all the non-Marcos, all right. to be honest. All right. Presumably that'll come up later. Yeah, I have I have it in here, but we can save okay. it till later. No, if you have it here, we can we can talk no, about it. No, we'll save it for later. All right, all right. Um all right. So Marco says they need mountain morphs for his plan, which is not really going to be, this is one of those plans. I don't know if I already said this, but this is one of those plans that's going to be like, they enact it throughout the book. And at some point he tells them all what it is, but we, the reader don't, we find out as it happens. The, the ocean's 11. <laughs> yeah. Although we should, I, it should be noted that at this point, he still has not told anybody what his plan is. He He's just running this on his own. Uh, so, you know, and he's like, oh, well, we, um, we, uh, totally, uh, can't go talk to, uh, Jake about it in the middle of the night, because, um, Tom's there, and, and also Jake might tell me no, so we're gonna go, um, uh, we're gonna go talk to Cassie. At this point, he's just totally taking control from Tobias over the whole situation. Um, It's my POV, bitch. I get to say what goes. (laughs) That's right. So Cassie's, like, suspicious, uh, but she suggests mountain goats. So Tobias, X, and Marco all go to the gardens and acquire some mountain goats. And um, Marco 
uh, there's the bit when they were doing it where Marco gets uh, head butted in the ass and knocked off a 15 foot cliff, but he's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, but it's sort of during this section that we also get a lot of chapters where Marco starts ruminating, like while he's flying and like at home after the acquiring uh, on like what he's doing with regards to this plan, what he's setting in motion and what like who that makes him as a person. That's deep um, shit, which is, I think, what you wanted to talk about. So there's a, a bit here um, where Marco has a quote, and this is one of the lines in this book that has like stuck with like when I was a kid, this line really stuck with me. To me, this is probably the most memorable part of the whole hold book. Hold on, hold on. More yeah. so than tail feathers grow back? <laughs> don't grow well, back? Do they or don't they? I always forget. They grow back. <laughs> They do. Tail okay. feathers grow back. Okay. Maybe not more so, but like tail feathers grow back isn't, I don't think anyone loses tail feathers in this book. Well, I guess not that Tobias might, you never, it could happen. He might. He, he might have got singed right. by a beam. <laughs> anyway, what um, is this wait. quote? So this is kind of a, a long, Marco says, people don't understand the word ruthless. They think it means mean. It's not about being mean. It's about seeing the bright, clear line that leads from A to B, the line that goes from motive to means, beginning to end. It's about seeing that bright, clear line and not caring about anything but the beautiful fact that you can see the solution, not caring about anything else but the perfection of it. So I, I don't know. Did that line stand out to you as a reader, as an adult? I'm trying to look to see where that is and if I highlighted it or not, because it sounds like something I might have. I did write down Marco's been hanging out with Rachel too much. Yeah, I I do think, and there's a little bit uh, more at the end of the book, but I do think Marco is becoming more Rachel-y here. Almost like he is, I think he sees in Rachel... I think he's been around Rachel a long time and he's like, Hey, you know what? That's a, that seems like a pretty good defense mechanism. I'll try it. <laughs> it seems yeah. to work for her. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, okay. So like here, here's, here's the question is, is Marco the last one to be like permanently emotionally damaged uh, <laughs> by all this? Or is that maybe ax? Right. Cause like, you know, he's had the whole mom thing, but you know, he, he already, his mom was already dead. I don't know. Like him joining in it, you know, it's not the same as like a fundamental personality shift where he's like becoming someone else the way that like Rachel's becoming a psycho. Cassie is having to wrestle with, you know, being this morally gray hypocrite who kills people. Uh, it, Jake's like the weird ways in which Jake's leadership is affecting him. And Tobias, of course, being a bird, like you can, you can, because I think if you were to do with, like, go to Axe, he he's like becoming more like distrustful and disconnected from his people. Like the issues on the Ascalin and the Lyra book are, are upsetting him. But I don't know if he's that far gone. But I do feel like Marco's kind of taken longer than most of the rest of them to get to this point of of being like something's wrong with him now. Yeah, I also think Axe is even though he is their age he's probably more equipped as an andalite to like he's been preparing to be a soldier basically i i mean That's i guess true. not was has he literally been 
preparing to be a soldier? I guess yeah, not he really. Was, he was a cadet, yeah. He so was. He, he did okay, go yeah. through training, but he had not seen any battle yet. But And, you know, just their culture and his brother, like, I'm, you know, he mm-hmm. kind of idolized. And so... Yeah. He, yeah. So he's, he, he's prepared for it, I think, more so than these children. <laughs> yeah, because, like, when, you know, minor spoilers, but I do think that a lot of Axe's weird... Uh, damaged, uh, you know, is less about like I'm traumatized by war and more about like I spent so much time living among humans and and uh, you know saw Andalites messing up like this stuff over on Lyra and blah 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 blah. Saw that we were capable of bad things, and I'm like becoming more of like a cinnamon bun pop culture reference obsessed guy and becoming disconnected from my own people and culture. Though we haven't seen a ton of that yet. I, I like what you're saying, but I feel mm-hmm. like most of that is not in the text of the books. <laughs> okay. Okay. But yeah, but, with, yeah. with, with, uh, with regards to Marco, uh, you know, minor spoilers here, but this is sort of a permanent shift for Marco. Like we've seen bits and pieces of Marco's, uh, ruthlessness up until now, um, we saw in, in, I keep going back to book 19 because it's great, but um, we saw in book 19 the bit where, uh, you know, Cassie says that, like, Marco's going to hate himself for killing this little girl, but he'll do it. Um, we saw last book where Marco's like, oh, everybody's uh, sick of killing. Nobody wants any more killing. Fine, I'll do it. And he throws Viscerfor's yerk into the fire. Um, like, we've seen Marco being, like, willing to do the difficult thing. Uh, even though it hurts him emotionally. But in this book, we really go full on into, like, I see the right way to do things. I see what needs to be done, and I do what needs to be done, and emotions be damned. Like, as separate from Rachel, who's, like, all emotionality, she's just fucked up. Yeah, in this book, Marco's kind of going, I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. That's right. But this this does become more of a permanent thing for Marco. Um, Interesting. Like I think yeah. this book is a turning point for him. Okay. Yeah, I'm into it. I I, I that makes sense. It's it's pretty uh, it's pretty traumatizing. <laughs> yeah. I, I I get it. I see. I see why this would fuck him up more so than he already was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he was and he was kind of riding that line for a while anyway. So. Yeah, just needed a little a little tap. <laughs> yeah. Now there, I mean, there is also the question, right? Because Marco spends a lot of time in this book saying, like, I'm, you know, the the clever one. I'm the logical one. I'm the ruthless, cold one. That's why there is a question of how how reliable is Marco as a narrator here? Like, is is he actually thinking clearly in this situation, or is he just trying to tell himself he's thinking clearly because that, like, helps absolve him of the guilt? I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I think that's very plausible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like, I wouldn't, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't imagine that anything he's saying in terms of, like, you know, I don't think he's misleading us in terms of what's happening like what actually happens, but in terms of what's inside yeah. of his own head, I don't know if it's a yeah, reliable narrator, not in the sense that he's intentionally misleading, mm-hmm. but that he, he's, he can't, it's on a subconscious level that he can't even admit to himself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause like, you know, uh, you could, 
you know, is Marco's plan here the actual objective best way to deal with Visser 1? Uh, you know, maybe it would be better to just kill her outright. I don't know. You you could potentially debate that. Um, and, you know, Marco is very, very quick to seize leadership immediately from Tobias and not talk to Jake about it and not talk to anyone else and justify it by being like, but I'm right, so it's okay. You know, I some of this might not actually be that ruthlessness and actually be like him being like, I, I don't know if control freak is the right word, but like having this sense of like, I, I want to have, I want it to be my plan. I don't want yeah. someone else's correct plan to be the one that kills my mother. If it's going to happen, I want it to be, I want to be the one doing it. It's his um, responsibility. And, and he, yeah. he's, he has not, he never, he didn't have control over, mm-hmm whether or not his mom disappeared or when she would come back. So he, yeah, he's like trying to cling on to this situation of like, I need, which, you know, it's a pretty common human thing, right? To, Mm -hmm. you just, you just want to feel like you are in control of any given situation if possible. Yeah. (laughs) That's, that's, that's kind of what we all want. Pretty deep, right? Yeah. It's kind of deep. I don't know if Tobias actually wants that. He he wants to be in control of when he gets a rabbit and shit. <laughs> he wants to control his meadow. He wants to control Rachel. Rest of the world be damned. He clearly doesn't because he does not work very hard at it. Yeah, well, what he wants and what he's, you know, <laughs> decides true. to do. I, I don't That's know. That's true. Should we get, <laughs> this is, God, all this fucking serious talk. I, I, let's get to these damn goats. Yeah, how do you feel about the phrase Mr. Mountain Goat's Homeboys? I like it a lot. <laughs> Good band name. Mm. And re- really, though, we got robbed of a goat cover. I can't believe they went for the cockroach instead of a goat. Terrible yeah. decision. Terrible. Yeah. And his, like, hunched over all fours pose, that works for goat, too, you know. Can you imagine like, even after the goat photo Marco? Shoot. It would be so fun. <laughs> I could, although Mid-goat. these are not uh, mountain goats. I mean, okay, they're sillier oh. than other badass animals, but they, they're not going to have the like lopsided head, tongue sticking halfway out face, which is it what I really want to see Marco doing. He'd have a little beard. He'd have horns. Mm-hmm. He would have that. That's all. That's all I'm asking for. I'm sure it was something where they're like, ah, boys like cockroaches because they're gross. And that's why they did that. Mm-hmm. Stupid. Give me some goats, buddy. Give me the goats. Yeah, I mean, okay, so the act, ignoring the axe book because, you know, a, a cow just always is, uh, or not a cow, an andalite just always makes a good book cover even if even if it's turning into a cow. So we got a cockroach and then before that a yerk and then before that a squid. So we are kind of on a chain of gross covers. Hmm, yeah. I don't know, is a squid really that gross? Uh, they're they're pretty gross, I would say. I guess. I feel like bugs, though, are the real. I mean, and yeah, you're yeah. for sure. But that's pretty plot justified. I'm honestly kind of surprised that that you're you're not being like, yeah, squid. Ew, they're like slimy and roll around. They got. I like, mean, I guess they're gross. Like if I had to hold one in my hands or something, but I don't have a reaction the way like mm. you just say cockroach, and I'm like, ugh, gross. 
I see. Like, because you would, like, eat squid, but you wouldn't eat cockroach, even if it doesn't look like a cockroach or something. That's for damn sure, yes. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't be that excited about eating squid either, but, I, yes, I would I would eat a hundred squids before I ate a single cockroach. <laughs> That's for sure. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know you, this, these concepts of things, whether or not they're gross, is difficult for you to understand because you're a trash man. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, I would eat cockroaches. I don't, if, you know. Yeah, I'm sure I, if there I was one crawling just, on the floor like, right now. I would live cockroach because they, they, I don't think they taste very good. But, like, if you cooked it up, I, no problem. But I, I do. I think if it happened to fall into a pan whilst I was cooking, sure, I'd throw it in the mix. Yeah, sure. Why not? The heat sterilizes it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. That's why I'm constantly branding my testicles. Anyway. Oh, I okay. I don't want to sure. I don't want to be able to produce children. Are no kids or whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> um, okay. Talk about What's, these goats more. I don't the goats are, I I said all I said to say <laughs> next. Okay. Yeah, I mean like I I would like point out the similarities between the mountain goat and andalites except for uh you know Axe's extremely disappointing experience with the cow. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. I liked when he said that. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> um, all right. I guess the, the, if we're done with goat time, um, well, we it's can... not goat time yet. That's true. Well, it was sort of goat time. There were goats. no, no. There's Marco a got headbutted demarcation of when goat time begins in this book. <laughs> we are not there yet. If you're sure, I just feel like there might be multiple goat times. This is the this is pre goat time. This is like this is like pre gaming for goat time. Okay, okay we're pre goating. That's right. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So so they all meet up to set Marco's plan into motion. Um, at this point, everybody does know what the plan is, except for us. Um, they call in the chi, who you know, in an hour, you'll all hear what they were here for, um, and they. Hmm, we've been going for a long time, I just realized. But it's Steven's fucking fault <clears throat> that this episode's going to be over time. You're right, you're right. But uh, anyway, so so Marco contacts Visser 1 to set up a meeting, and they um, they lure her and Chapman into like a surprise meet-cute type thing. Um, so so now Chapman has seen her, and, uh, and Visser 3's guys are going to start following her. Right, and and she's aware of all this. They're in contact with her. They're like birds and bugs and whatever. Um, they direct her uh, to what I suppose is the mall. They don't actually say it's the mall, but there's J.C. Penny in a camping store, and they have her buy uh, like outdoor gear, gloves and scarf, uh, climbing gear, that sort of thing. And uh, you know, meanwhile, a bunch of controllers are starting to tail her. Tail her. Um, there's like a tense. Excuse you. But he's snorking at her. You didn't have to stop the whole podcast. I just tail her sounded like Taylor, and she's buying clothes. That's kind of I thought that was sort of funny. Okay, that is sort of funny. I wasn't going to say it out loud, but you made me. (laughs) I made you. There's like a tense moment with like a a controller security guard, um, where Rachel has to step in and be like, "Oh, I saw her buy that scarf. What's going on?" And draw a crowd to get her out of trouble. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of scenes where she's like going through and shopping and they're guiding her and she gets all geared up and they get Visser 3's guys uh, following her. So things are getting set up. 
Can you imagine, you have talked before about your experience uh, working at a retail sporting goods store. Mm-hmm. Imagine if Visser One asked you for help <laughs> looking for something, you know? Yeah, I gotta tell uh, I gotta tell you, she would not have been able to do this uh, at my store when I was working there. Why is that? Um, so, so okay, so she comes in to get climbing gear. They say ropes and pitons. Is that how you say that word? Pitons. Climbing gear. <laughs> <laughs> but the the point is that like this is not. If she doesn't actually know how to use that, it's not going to be very helpful. Also, she probably needs more pieces than just that. And, and so, like, if she, if, if somebody, and I had this happen, if somebody walked in and was like, I need some fairly advanced technical gear, and it's very clear that they have no idea how to use it, like, I would not sell that to them. Like, I, I had a guy come in. And if, who was trying to buy, uh, you know, gear to like set anchors and that sort of thing. And, um, and like, I was talking to him about like what exactly he was looking to do and what he needed. And it immediately became very clear. That's like, this guy has never climbed outside in his life before. He, he, the only experience he's ever had with this kind of thing is watching YouTube videos and he intends to take his whole family out. None of whom have any experience either. And I literally had to give him a lecture and basically say like, I'm not going to sell you this stuff. Uh, you know, the best case scenario, you're going to kill yourself because worst case scenario, you're going to kill your son and have to live with that for the rest of your life. Y- you know, if you want to go buy it online, you can do that. And that's on your own head. But like, no, don't do that. Don't do this. I'm not going to help you do this. So if if she had come up and been like, I need, um, what's the bird in my head saying? Yeah, some, some, th- this. Uh, and... D- no, I, I would not have sold her that in a million years. <laughs> I'm, I'm just telling I asked. you. I'm really sorry I asked. I thought it'd be funny. I thought maybe we'd do, we could do like a little bit. Pretend <laughs> you're selling something to Visser One. But no, it wasn't funny. Nobody really liked it. It was stressful. <laughs> it I'm, made just, everyone I'm just telling you how it is. There's going to be a lot of times this podcast where I might tell you how it is. The customer is always right. You sell me what the fuck I ask you to sell me and let me leave, okay? <laughs> or I'm fucking going down the street to Effingers and go fuck yourself. That's fine. No, I, I, you can go do that. I'm cool with that. Yeah, this is why That's I order not my shit responsibility. online. This is why your your brick and mortar stores are going out of business. I don't want to <laughs> listen to your shit. All right. <laughs> uh, hey, I referred him to like guide services or whatever the fuck some some place that could like send someone out to whatever fuck it uh anyway i I didn't really have anything else to say about this entire section (laughs) (laughs) okay Uh, so there's a there is a part in here because you you were um you made some mention of like uh earlier with like did you, you you know did she do it intentionally when she hit marco because of the host and blah 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 so there is a bit in here where um Visser One is trying to just look normal in the store while she's waiting for instructions, and she's looking through the clothing, and Marco notes that she's looking through kids' clothing that would be about his size. And, um, you know, obviously this is the Yerk just kind of, like, playing a part, and it's, you know, but, um, you know, there there is that thought there that, like, 
I, I guess when the Yerk thinks, how do I act like a normal person? She, she falls into like a mother persona. Oh yeah, this human is a mother and I, that, that, you know, and she's got a kid this age. So I'll act like I'm shopping for a kid this age or something like that. I thought that was kind of touching. Huh? I did not, I don't think I read enough into it to be touched by it, <laughs> but mm. I mean, I do. Yeah. It's logically. Yeah. All of her instincts of how to be human come from Marco's mom. Mm. But isn't like, she obviously just, she's, yeah. yeah, she's not thinking about you're why touched she's on doing behalf it, but... of that. Marco's mom is a good mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it's nice. A nice little scene. Um, there's also kind of like a, I, I don't know, kind of an ominous scene or, or like a, a dark scene where they're talking about this this plan that they have and Cassie has an outburst, you know, and it's like, we're talking about, about Marco's mm. mom, right? This is not, we're not yeah. talking about killing Visser when we're talking about Marco's mom and, and Jake just totally shuts her down and it's like, this is not the time, Cassie. And um, it's a pretty dark scene. I think it's made darker by the fact that it is Jake and Cassie who are, you know, they've got a thing for each other. Um, they do? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> do you and, think but, they like like each other? <laughs> I think they do like like each other. Well, this is what this is what I was really alluding to earlier. And this is, again, like kind of the we, we're going to really dig into this in the final scenes, but. This was the one part where I was like, thank you, Cassie, because I feel like Tobias and everyone else in this book is so they're just so adamant about, look, Marco, your mom has to fucking die. Would you just fucking deal with it? (laughs) Like you shouldn't maybe you shouldn't go on this mission because we're going to kill your mom. Mm -hmm. It just feels like they're so I'm just sitting here like I don't know. I feel like I don't care. There, I mean, I guess this is just to illustrate how far gone Jake is and, and yeah. Rachel and the rest of them. But from I'm like, man, like it's his mom. Fucking I, you should be doing everything you can to save her. I don't care about the consequences. Mm-hmm. I'm like as an anamorph part of this team. Priority numero uno is save his damn mom. And mm-hmm. and even Marco doesn't really entertain that idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's really where where it like comes from. Cause like I I fully understand why Tobias, Axe, and Rachel are not uh on that. Like they're Axe is just gonna do whatever he's told, and Tobias is not gonna make a stink. Like Tobias will like muse about how, oh, you know, it would be nice if we could save her, but he's not gonna make a stink about it. And Rachel's gonna be like, kill her or whatever. <laughs> Um, I think that if Marco had been all like, you can't kill her. She's my mom. Jake might've been a little bit more open to like, okay, how do we do that? But since Marco's coming up and he's like, okay, I have the plan. I'm not thinking about it. I'd like, I know how bad it's going to be, but I'm not thinking about that. I have the plan. Um, Jake is kind of like, I don't know. He has the plan. <laughs> like, like I know how bad it'll be for him too, but I'm also not going to think about it. <laughs> Yeah, in an earlier book, Marco throws Tom in Jake's face mm-hmm. uh, in about trying to say, like, oh, how would you feel if this was if we were dealing with your brother right now? Which is all, still a pretty good question. Like, why aren't you yeah. fucking murdering your brother every day? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know why, because it would, I guess, you know, suspicion, et cetera. But it sure seems like he's pretty fine, like, waiting for that to work itself out at some point. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like it. It, I, I get the sense from here that that Jake would not have just 
if Marco had not been the one to bring it up, Jake would not have just unilaterally made the call to kill her here. I think he would have, he least, would have entertained saving her a lot more. Yeah, Marco could have appealed to his better nature and and mm-hmm. gotten there. I don't know. I feel like Jake still might have just done it. <laughs> but if yeah. Marco really fought back, then he could have maybe got some headway. But again, you've got three, four against two here, if that were the case. Yeah. I don't know. It's dark, man. It is very dark. And it does, I guess maybe it's more, says more about me and uh, the reading of these characters that I was, I felt like, man, I just couldn't believe that they're not, (laughs) they're just so cruel in this one. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think that is reasonable. And I think that you probably are supposed to feel that, you know, Marco does spend a lot of time being like, yeah, when everybody uh, when everybody reads about this in the history books, or I guess in this Animorphs book that's being written, they're all going to be like, "Boy, that guy was sure one cold motherfucker." What was his problem? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Wild shit. And, uh, uh, yeah. So now they. Oh, and also Marco says, uh, "This is my first and probably last visit to a women's dressing room." <laughs> Just want, just want to highlight that line. <laughs> He's not maybe, ruling it out. Is, is he Marco and Egg, maybe? Okay. <laughs> can't, uh, can't he just be a normal uh, hetero pervert? <laughs> <laughs> like me? <laughs> Wait, you're hetero? Yeah, dude. I knew the other part. <laughs> You knew I was normal? <laughs> All right. So, so, so okay. Uh, she's, she's driving away. Visser 1 is driving away, and they are stowing away in her car as cockroaches. Um, and they're talking her through the plan, and they're discussing back and forth with her. And, uh, and Cassie says something you know she's like oh do you think i'm gonna be uh, what you think i'm gonna be nicer than viscer three and cassie says no i think that you'll be weaker your weak unstable human host will be easier to to um kill and uh viscer one's like yeah that makes sense um except you know i've looked over the casualty reports for earth and uh Mm -mm. you guys uh, you guys like don't kill humans you guys don't ever kill humans. Wait a second. And they're all just like, oh, well, shit. <laughs> they don't have an answer for that. So if this one just immediately figures out that at least some of them are humans. Um, so good, good yeah. job, Visser 3. Uh, Visser 1 is speed running your entire operation here. Um, they arrive at the National Park Visitor Center and um, and Marco's mom leaves on foot while like Rachel, Tobias, and Axe go get into position. Um, Visser three shows up not far behind in his limo, which he takes everywhere for some reason, with a bunch of guys and Hork Bajir. And uh, he gets out and start blowing everything up: the buildings, killing park rangers, animals, and they blow up uh, Marco's mom's car, which still has Jake and Cassie as uh, cockroaches in it. And um, and it's pretty. It's pretty fucked because at, at this point, it seems like Jake and Cassie are legitimately dead. And Marco's like calling for them and they're not answering. 
Um, but he's like, all right, plan can still work. Everybody's still here. I've still got all the pieces in place. It's just, you know, I'm going to have to get more directly involved than I had intended to. Like he was not supposed to, he was supposed to like orchestrate the plan, but he wasn't supposed to like execute it. Right. But they yeah. don't have Jake and Cassie anymore. Yeah. But you know, at this point it's hard. I don't really know how to even, if it's fair to criticize, but you just have to go through the fact that you know they're not dead. Yes, you do. Uh, but like, I, what? I don't know what I what. What do you want instead? Like, I don't want them to never be in danger or perceived dead. I I mean mm-hmm. the 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 impact should be on how the other characters react to it. Yeah, and how it affects things, but. This certainly impacted me as a kid a lot mm. more than Megamorphs 3. Like as, mm. like I said when we reviewed that, when Jake died in Megamorphs 3 and it was graphic and the back of his head got blown out, I was just like, oh, okay, yep, yeah, there it is. Um, whereas here, it, it was very shocking to me. I was not expecting mm. it, and I was like, oh my god, how could they, like, did they get, they must have gotten out, right? But, like, I don't know how or what. You know, maybe <laughs> yeah, it's just that there was how. no drode this time. That's Yeah, well, there's no time travel involved, so it's not yeah. like there's not an easy way out, except for, you know, then later you just say, yeah, they got out. <laughs> that's a pretty yeah. easy way out, I guess. Yeah, that is. I mean, basically, that's it. <laughs> it's kind, of, kind of the easiest way out you can imagine, really. Yeah. I do but think you it's do funny. Wonder why aren't they yeah. talking and helping and stuff? So. Yeah. Yeah. No, you do have to wonder that, and and it turns out they were in a lot of trouble this whole time. But uh, yeah, it almost feels like that could you know like that's a whole other. You almost want to see that POV, <laughs> like that's gonna be a very different book. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That would absolutely be a very different book. Um, What's I do funny? think that it's 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 funny. I like how Tobias, or I like how they portray Tobias reacting to the news here. Like Marco specifically calls out here. Where he's saying when he informs Rachel and Tobias about about Jake and Cassie being dead, uh, he says when I don't have the exact quote, but he says basically when Tobias uh, has to deal with difficult emotional situations, he he becomes more like a bird, right? He just kind of becomes <laughs> a bird, and so it's like even though Tobias is not, he's in morph right now. He's he's basically just a bird. I'm talking to a bird. This is uh, this really does remind me of you a lot. Hmm. Yeah, I I see where you're coming from with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna use that next time you turn into a bird. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Quack. There's some funny stuff about women drivers in here. Yep, yep. Marco's mom drives like a maniac. Which is funny because that's we. It's a, an established joke that Marco's a bad driver. So. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, and they the do family. establish that that is his mom. Like he is specifically like, yeah, that's not this or one. My mom always did that. (laughs) And also on the subject of the car blowing up, uh, you know, in movies, that's sort of a, when they use a real gun, that's kind of a, like it wouldn't usually wouldn't really happen that way. Right. Like they shoot a gas tank Mm -hmm. and it explodes in a big fireball, but here it's a Dracon beam. So it's justified. Mm. Yeah, it is justified. So that's that's a that's cool that they're allowed to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, Marco mentions that his mom always kept in good shape. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting that he he that's something he <laughs> thinks about for her. 
Just always I mean, aware of what good shape she's in. <laughs> I don't. That doesn't seem that weird to me. No, of course not. Well, you're going out on dates with your mom and shit, so yeah. <laughs> I, get it. I mean, I, I specifically take the other tack, and I'm I, now that my parents are old, I'm always like, well, it's a good thing my dad always kept in good shape because, uh, uh, unfortunately, I, my I still want to fuck him. Right. <laughs> well, because like you know. Maybe I, I will admit when I was a teenager, I don't know oh, that no, I would no, have no, cared no. that much. Oh, it's it's more oh. of a now that they're old, I'm reminiscing. I'm like thinking back, like yeah, it's good or bad that they were or were not in good shape. I got so scared when you were about to admit something. <laughs> I really I've already I I've admitted go. everything. I'm not holding anything uh, back. I just don't know if you are or you aren't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I okay. haven't uh, talked about my cousins yet. <laughs> Come on, that's that's not that's not a big deal. Yeah, um, my aunt. Grandma. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay, <laughs> my unborn right, daughter. So, okay. So, so, uh, so yeah. So Marco, Marco, like I said, um, uh, yeah. Rachel and Tobias. Uh, so they have morphed into Horkbajir. And Marco's mom, uh, eventually, she's been hiking up the trail. She meets them. Um, and so, you know, and they are pretending to be real hork who are going to take her to the colony. And, and they're, you know, they're like, you changed to bird, human slow. And she's like, oh, you know, I'm sorry, but I'm too sick to turn into a bird. I'll have to go on foot. And they're like, human slow. And uh, she's like, yes, yes, I know. And uh, But anyway, so they, um, <laughs> they, they lead her up the nearby peak. Uh, to uh, where they say that the Horkbajir Valley is, um, which is what the climbing gear was for, I guess. Um, and because Visser 3 has scouts out, he, like, sees, hears about this interaction. So, you know, as planned, he's like, oh, I shouldn't kill her right now. I should, uh, you know, wait because then she'll reveal the Horkbajir. I'll get them both, two birds with one stone. Um, so he morphs into a weird spider thing. Uh, which basically just looks like a giant spider, but uh, with chameleon colors to make him hard to see, and uh, takes off after Visser One on his own, and is all like, "My guys will catch up with me. They'll get here. I'm I'm too stupid and excitable for that." <laughs> um, and meanwhile, Marco turns into a goat. I think it might. Is this goat time? Is it goat time? Yes, and he says, "Quote time for the goat." <laughs> mm, it is time for the goat. <laughs> he uh it's time for the goat and he goes up the mountain uh while the Horpajur are dragging Visser one up. Uh so they're all converging on the peak of this mountain here. Pretty uh pretty exciting stuff. Pretty climactic it is exciting. shit. Climactic this, stuff. This is where th- this section of the book really goes full Mission Impossible. I, I love all the them pretending to be Horkbajir and tricking her. Mm-hmm. Also need to point out that the Horkbajir's name is Maska Fetan. Yes. Which is a, a pretty damn Star Warsy name. <laughs> yeah, Maska you're right. <laughs> so I uh, guess this is the Horkbajir that Rachel has. Except wasn't Rachel um like Jarahami? They must have got some other horks, yeah. I guess, at some point. Yeah, because I was wondering if maybe if maybe they just weren't using the proper name with Visser One. Like maybe maybe they just told Visser One that's that's the name of Rachel's work. <laughs> maybe Visser One just doesn't. She just assumes yeah. she doesn't actually know. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I I have a feeling that Visser One should. I mean, okay, that's 
a, a point though. Jeremy and Ket Halpak are, are supposed to be dead, and she reads the casualty report, so it would be dangerous to say that this is Jeremy. So I guess that makes sense. Because I was going to yeah. say, I think Visser 1 actually can tell Hork Bajir apart. I think that it would be dangerous to make up a fake name because she might be like, I know Maska Fatan. <laughs> you know what I mean? She's yeah. not a racist like Visser 3. <laughs> well, she might be. She's just, I mean, she is kind of by definition. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, <laughs> but you know, about different th- in a different way. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But that stuff is all fun. There's, there's a lot of. I thought there were some good, uh, little moments in here. It's a line about mm-hmm. uh, that Marco's mom is the woman who taught me about laughter. You know. Oh yeah. Which I think we've heard before that he like yes. made her laugh, or some or vice versa, and that was like sort of his. His uh, origin as a comedian. <laughs> yeah, that's like that part of his personality comes from her. Adorable. There's, there's also a bit in here that I like where Rachel, like Jake and Cassie being dead and everything falling apart. Rachel's just like, this is a disaster, Marco. You know what? I'm just going to push her off a cliff right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you you just leave so you don't have to watch. Fuck this. <laughs> so goddamn cold. <laughs> yeah, good old Rachel. I, it's Tobias, unbelievable. This is the part where Tobias is like, "Shut up, Rachel," and uh, and everyone's like, "Whoa, Tobias never mess- messes with Rachel." Yeah, right. Yeah, even, even Tobias <laughs> is like, because we need to draw a line somewhere. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. You know, th- this is just how it's like being with Rachel. It has been a while since we've. I feel like since we've really gotten a good Visser three actions and morph scene. Yeah. I, again, I want names. What's the name of this thing? Where's it yeah, from? I know, but, but it is true. We haven't like, yeah. Cause I guess the last time I don't think they described him morphing in the experiment. No, no. In the sickness, he did do a morph. It just kind of whatever. Yeah, they, he's done a couple, but they've just they weren't focused on, or they lasted a very short time. Yeah, like he just kind of it was like, uh oh, here he is. It's the chase scene. Okay, unnamed chameleon-like crab creature. Seropedia calls it. <laughs> I guess they call it a, a crab. Yeah, I guess they describe it as kind of crab-like, but I think they they say the phrase spider-like. I just didn't they say it looks like a UFO kind of the Yeah, the body it's got it. like a flying saucer body with spindly legs coming out the sides. Which I guess is pretty crab like. Time for the goat. Aren't crabs arachnids or not all of them? Maybe it's... No, crabs are um are they're, they're are arthropods, mus- but muscos. they're not. <laughs> yeah, they're they're a totally different branch on that. Whatever. Something's crab-like in the ocean is an arachnid, though, right? Isn't there something? Something? Probably some kind of sea spider or something. I don't know. But I wish Maybe. Cassie was here to help. Yeah. All right. So, okay. Let's get so to let's... The... Oh, I did. There is also, I don't know if it's right in here, but I might as well bring it up because it doesn't matter. Yeah. There was a part in here. Maybe it was a just a typo or something, but... Uh, there's a section where Marco refers to Visser one as he, he talks about like, he was controlling my mom or something like that. Oh, interesting. I don't recall that. Huh. Um, oh no. He, he says the Visser would die. And again, maybe this is later. I don't know. And then he says his helpless host, my mother as well. 
Mm, interesting. Yeah, huh. so I don't think that's a typo because his is yeah. pretty different from her. So yeah, I, I thought that was weird. I'm, it's probably just an oversight. Like I'm sure they didn't even think about it when they were writing it, but yeah, I mean maybe that it because I always, like I said, I always think of of Yerkes as, as taking on the the genders of their um yeah their of hosts. their hosts yeah, but I mean maybe that is not what uh the writers of these books were thinking or at least what this ghostwriter was was right. envisioning i could also see and this is a kind of speculation but from marco's point of view he probably wants to separate the yerk from mm. his mother as much as possible so it's easier to do that like he doesn't want to conflate them he's like no that's they're that's not my mom that's 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 him <laughs> yeah no that that makes sense so I don't know, but I thought that was interesting because because usually they're pretty consistent because they definitely called Aftran uh, her, right? I'm pretty sure they did. Yeah, I don't uh, know. Maybe I'll have to look. But like, I don't know if they've ever asked a Yerk, like, by the way, what are your pronouns? <laughs> uh, yeah. The, what up. if Animorphs modern today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what if? All right. All right. So, okay. So the, the, the standoff is, is happening, right? He's, um, Marco is up there or the standoff's not quite happening yet. Marco is up there on the peak. He meets his mom up on the peak as a mountain goat. And, um, and there's a big reveal where we finally find out what the Chi have been doing. We don't see them, but Eric projects a hologram of a free hork Valley, um, on you know down below them uh you know so it looks like it had been being covered up by hologram but it is itself a hologram um paint but hologram paint they painted all the trees they must have painted those trees (laughs) and then they projected holograms from within them yes okay (laughs) and um but as he's revealing it, Marco can't help himself from making a jokey reference. Uh, and so he makes like a, a Prince of Egypt reference. Um, there's, there's a suggestion that he kind of subconsciously wants to reveal himself here. And his mom is like, Andalites don't say shit like that. And not only do Andalites not say shit like that, but like, you, you, that's familiar to me. I feel like I know you from somewhere. Um, but before she can take that further, Visser 3 shows up, there's a huge confrontation, right? Um, Visser 3's bug fighters all appear in the sky, uh, and Visser 1 un- uncloaks her own, uh, Nova-class Empire ship with all of her fighters, the blade ship is there, so the sky is all of a sudden, it's like, filled with Yerk fighters. It turns out Visser 1 brought, like, an entire goddamn army. Um, so, like, a huge, like, dogfight breaks out, uh, Visser 3 starts to attack as a crab. Visser 1 pulls a Dracon on him. Um, when the did ships Homer above... get involved? Where is this? What did I say? I said I don't there was remember. a dogfight. Oh, okay, yeah. I thought, okay, yeah. I don't remember, okay. I don't remember Jake morphing into Homer. <laughs> right, yeah. He survived the explosion by becoming Homer. <laughs> um... <laughs> All right, so but they uh they they start they start firing down on the on the colony. Um, but since there's no actual like deep valley or colony, it just kind of like starts blowing up the mountain with them on it. So everything starts collapsing. The ground is splitting. They're all falling. Um, 
you know, Eric is projecting all the Hork-Bajir dying in flames. It's very gruesome. Um, it looks like Visser 1 is going to make it, right? She, like, shot off some of Visser 3's legs, but, you know, she's been separated from him by the falling debris. So it looks like she's going to survive. So Marco uh, realizes he's going to have to kill her. And so he tells her that he loves her and then uh, goes to knock her off the cliff. Um, his mom realizes who she is, or who he is. Visser 1 realizes who he is. Um, and before Marco actually manages to knock her off the cliff, uh, Jake shows up because uh, he survived as a tiger and he knocks her off the cliff instead. So that Marco does not have to do it. Um, yeah. yeah. So, the, I mean, here we are. Here's the climax. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> Even in this moment, I thought, oh, Jake is going to be like, Marco, no. Don't do it. Mm. We'll save her. <laughs> but mm. he's like, no, actually, well, no. I'm just going to do the killing, not you. <laughs> hey, Jake. Jake is also, as Marco says earlier, addicted to the clear, bright line. He wants to take her out. Yeah, I do. I do like that clear, bright line mm-hmm. imagery. Yeah, there's a reason it's stuck with me. It's a good it's a good metaphor. Mm-hmm. It is good. This is kind of the end of a Marco character arc, right? Mm. Like, like you talk, you talked before about how like book nineteen kind of feels like an end series book because it's such a turning point for Cassie's character. Um, and to me, this this sort of does a similar thing because there's always been this question that effectively comes down to like, what are we gonna do about Marco's mom? Right. Like what what is going to happen with her? Um, Marco kind of is like, I think I need to kill her, but kind of is like, I think I want to save her. And in this book, he's just like, I want to save her, but I'm going to concoct the plan to kill her. And then up on the mountaintop, you know, he sees the opportunity to kill her and he could be like, I can't do it. But he doesn't say I can't do it. He goes for it. Right. So like we this this bit of the arc is sort of concluded even though we're going to find out that maybe she didn't really die, you know, whether or not she comes back, Marco, we know how, what Marco does here. Like we know how he reacts. He's going to kill her. Like the decision has been made. You know what I mean? Like it feels like similar to book 19, we've concluded that arc. And if you're going to do a Marco arc going forward, you kind of need to do one you can't just like keep doing the whole will he won't he thing, right? You need to start being like, oh, well, how does he cope with being the guy who who does it, you know, or yeah. something? Kinda, yeah, kind of like Rachel in book twenty two as well. Actually, it's a good, uh, yeah, it's a it's a good observation that honestly didn't really hit me. I mm-hmm. don't think until you said it. Mm-hmm. I think I was more just too focused on the plot of the book and not, I wasn't thinking as deeply about the character development that's there, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, it is, it is there. And also maybe cause I was just, I guess, I don't know. Was it, was it a question for you before this book of whether he would or wouldn't do it? Cause I feel like for me, it was always, and maybe again, maybe I'm just, I'm so caught up in my own, like, what would I do or what would I want to happen that I'm, I was always just thinking, how are they going to save his mom? <laughs> I'd never, the, the idea that they would actually let her die 
wasn't one that I think I ever really mm-hmm. seriously entertained mm-hmm. until this book. Yeah, I I think that um you know, if you read it through, I I think I did always have the question of what Marco like like that Marco is, is questioning or I guess I should say Marco it feels like Marco is questioning it throughout. I do think that when you're a kid reading the books, the assumption is somehow he's going to save her. But I think that within the actual text of the books, uh, Marco is sitting there like, okay, but like, you know, I'm not like, I'm not like Jake with Tom. We're not talking about some random Yurik. We're talking about Visser 1. And also, I've already lost my mom. I know she can die. You know, maybe Jake can lie to himself that he definitely can save Tom, but I can't lie to myself. I might not be able to save my mom kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I f- so I feel like there's I feel like at this point you have this sense of like Jake's Jake is certain he's going to save Tom. Marco is not certain he's going to save his mom. And as a kid reading it, you kind of feel like maybe they're going to do both somehow, but I don't know how. And also, Tom hasn't really come up in, like, 20 books. Yeah, and also Tom <laughs> hasn't really come up in, like, 20 books. You're right. <laughs> it doesn't really matter what he's doing. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> just, just you know, just, like, don't talk on the phone too loud and it's fine. <laughs> yeah. I do, I do agree with you. This is kind of the first book where, as a reader, you're supposed to start entertaining the idea that, like, they might, even though she... Um, uh, you know, we're going to talk about it. She might not be dead, which we know what that means. <gasps> <laughs> you're really you are starting to to entertain that idea that she might die. Yeah. Yeah. I would oh, believe wait. that death unlike Jake and Cassie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If there was yeah. a body. Which um which yeah, so I I'll, I'll just uh wrap yeah. it up. We find out Jake and Cassie they did almost die in that explosion, but uh it turns out cockroaches are really good at surviving, so they like just barely made it back to consciousness and managed to demorph from their half charred bodies in time. And it, it ended up okay, but they almost died. Um, Marco for the next couple of days is like staying home from school and he's all depressed and saying he's sick and everything. And, uh, and Rachel shows up to inform him once again, it was Rachel who told him last time too, but Rachel shows up to once again, inform him that uh, his mom did the Joker thing, right? There's no body, <laughs> There's no Drake on Burns, Burns where her body was that where the Yerks were covering that stuff up. You know, no, it doesn't. We don't know if she's dead. More um, fuel I, for my Marco Rachel ship. <laughs> yes, which is uh, and this is the end of the book. I, I do feel like there is some like Marco and Rachel like understanding in this. But like like this Kindred bit spirits. where Rachel sits with Marco at the end is a lot more. Uh, meaningful than the bit at the end of 15 where Rachel's like, hey, Marco, I think your your mom didn't die after all. Uh, I think Rachel sees Marco being like, I, you know what, maybe I will kill my mom and, and kind of sees herself in that. I think, I think there's a bit of mm-hmm. Rachel being like, oh, I can relate to maybe not liking the person that I'm becoming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe. I think it's a <laughs> maybe. strong maybe. <laughs> well, Rachel too has lost a parent in a way. Hmm? There's a parallel there, don't you think? Because he moved across the country, I guess. Yeah, her home was broken. Mm. Yeah, they, I guess they have that in common. Yeah, 
I guess I just uh, don't take divorce very seriously as a child of divorce who uh, wasn't traumatized. Because, by it. well, right, because you're not willing to acknowledge your trauma. <laughs> right. Well, I just mean that if I don't have a problem with it, then nobody else should either. <laughs> right. Uh, Ray, Jake, there, by the way. Maybe I'm just a bird. Yeah. Tell me I'll, about Jake. <laughs> you know, he got stuck as a, almost got stuck as a half cockroach, half human morph, they said. Mm-hmm. Kind of, uh, I guess I, I sort of want to say it's kind of Kafka-esque. Yeah, yeah, Kafka. I could see that. Yeah, in a way, in a way. Yeah, I can't quite put put my finger on it, but I, I get where you're coming Sometimes from. Sometimes certain things are Kafka-esque in a way that's very clear, and certain other things are more like when you've read a lot of Kafka, you just sort of have a sense of when things are are esque yeah. of him. You're you're kind of a literary scholar in your own way. Yes. Like, um, have you ever seen a few good men? I haven't. Okay, let's try to come up with the reference. That you'll know that's more mainstream uh, than a maybe few I good haven't forgot it. Man, that's when he says you can't handle the truth. Jack Nicholson. I, Tom I mean, Cruise. I know that scene. Yeah, anyway, I, I thought that, saw that. that's an example of a scene that to me is a bit Kafka-esque. Because it's a trial. And that's one of his stories <laughs> that, overall yeah, thoughts on this you know book. yeah maybe <laughs> on this book the reunion mm-hmm. uh by the way i sure hope uh, a bunch of free hork didn't they the free hork come in and help at the end of this too yeah they say that they did although i don't know why they had to yeah, I just, I guess it's a shame did. if a lot of them got slaughtered and, or some yurks got in their heads and found out where their valley is or yeah, <laughs> anything like they that. They said five of them died. I'm sure it was fine. They, I'm sure they liked it. Anyway, yeah. overall thoughts on this book. Certainly, uh, this was a nice change of pace after last week's book, which was for the most part, not very good. Mm-hmm. It was nice to read this and be like, oh, this is, this is good. Uh, I actually think I have come to like this book more hearing you talk about it than this episode Mm -hmm. and reflecting more on what it means for Marco's character. I will say, although I, I overall liked the book when I read it, I was frustrated by the ending because Again, the last time we saw Marco's mom was 15 books ago. We, we quote unquote, didn't know if she was alive or dead at that point. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly where we end this yeah. book. And that that feels very unsatisfying as a reader that we have waited all this time. And essentially now, OK, yes, the Marco development is important, but plot wise, this nothing is changed by the end of this book. Which is, that's sort of annoying. (laughs) Yeah. And I I think that that. I mean, I guess the relationship between. They learn more about Visser 1 and what's going on with her, I guess. But yeah. yeah. 
Go ahead. Yeah, I, well, I think I think when I was a kid, that did not bother me that much because, like, it's just kind of a return to the status quo, which is kind of expected with these um, episodic things. Where it's like, yeah, yeah, we. Yeah. It would be kind of weird if his mom that was just resolved, right? Then that but it's would be like, resolved. It's the status. I mean, yeah. It's the exact yeah. same yeah. way the status quo was resolved. Yeah, I mean, as it's just, as an again. adult, it feels a lot more like, oh, we're doing this again, huh? Um, yeah, it's it's like. Twice is too many for for the maybe she's dead, <laughs> maybe she's mm-hmm. not. I it's too, I don't know. Like at least if you if she's not dead, then just she can not be dead. Like you can say, oh, we saw she we we missed her. We saw her getting up. We saw her fly away. Like just tell me. Don't play this game with me. That's mm-hmm. I I can see right through it. Like why are you why are you pretending? It's not fooling yeah. anybody. Yeah, but. and and I do think that some of that also you know, like reflecting on what it means and and how the character progresses. Like some of that is also just like, because, you know, when I was a kid, I, I, I really, really loved this book. And I do think a lot of those moments are super important. But like, if I had gone through this book and said, Marco's really acting really out of character at this point, because he never acts ruthless again for the rest of the series. And he hasn't really been that ruthless before. As opposed to saying this is a turning point because I know going forward it's a turning point, then you you probably mm. would have been like, oh well, that's bullshit. I hate this book. So like, <laughs> there is some the fact that I have read the series uh, does matter in terms of that, mm. and so it's understandable that that doesn't necessarily come through as a first time reader. Um, yeah, I think that's true of a lot of things in this series. That yeah, because because the those. Those details are doled out so sparingly <laughs> throughout mm-hmm. the books, for the most part. There's kind of, there's a big picture that forms that uh, you don't necessarily get from one book, but you might piece together from eight of them. <laughs> yeah, I will say as a yeah as a kid, I, I think I did already say this, but I really really loved this book. This was an all timer as a kid. Interesting. Um, rereading it now, I think it's um I. I I don't like it as much as I did. I still think it's pretty good. Um, but there's there's a lot more like, I, I don't know. It just, at the beginning, there's a lot of just like very rushed, like, as, as we were saying, like moving from like set piece to set piece. Oh, they're on the railing. Oh, they're in the building. Oh, they're here. They're here. They're here. And then, um, <clears throat> and then we go into the plan and it's the whole, we just got to watch it unfold, but we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And then when you get to the end, the plan, it turns out, is very simple. So it doesn't feel like, you know, you're not sitting there like, oh, my God, I can't believe they pulled it off. It's like, no, they just used the chi to make a fake valley and put them in the same place. That was it. Right. Um, it feels you know, aimless because you're you're just kind of like... You're along for yeah. a ride, but it's not that exciting the way they're describing the ride. So it's yeah, and it all happens over such a short period of time. It feels like I don't know. I, just tell us. I, just let us see the scene rushed. where they figure it out. Like, yeah. Why, why make it a mystery? It's not like it's not that. There's not a twist or anything at the yeah. end. Yeah, or like there's too much. There's too many scenes where just stuff is happening. Stuff is happening. The the chapters where it does slow down for a bit and Marco is reflecting, I think, are really really good. And um and yeah. I do like a lot of the moments near the end, uh, especially with between Marco and his mom. I love all the times Visser one is actually being a a clever and competent antagonist. Um. Yeah. I think all that's good. 
but it's not the home run that it was when I was a little kid, which, you know, I guess part of that, the part of that was just like, uh, really fleshing out like Marco, right? Beyond just being the Joker, like this is the, the, the Joker, no, the, the jokey character. <laughs> now he's become the Joker. Yeah. This is like the Marco gets serious. Book. <laughs> I like it. I, I often the, the Animorphs books kind of, we've said feel like, uh, I don't know, sometimes akin to a rough draft or like, man, if there was just another pass at this idea mm-hmm. or you could clean it up or make it aim it more towards adults, you could really have something great here. And I think this book is one that wouldn't require much. Mm-hmm. I think you're, it, it's pretty close to greatness and you can, and you can see that in it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, there it is. I'll feel that. Some of my favorite moments from this book, I have to say, involve all of Marco's pop culture references. Oh, wow. Maybe you could uh, read out a list of those for us. I'd love to. Well, instead of getting out of bed and heading downstairs for a bowl of honeycomb, Mark says. Yeah, honeycomb. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's not small. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> uh, he wonders whether he dropped enough hints at dinner about <laughs> which... Sega disc he wanted for his birthday. Mm-hmm. Marco has graduated to a Sega. I don't know if he's mentioned Sega before. We've talked about Doom and Nintendo, but he wanted a Sega disc, as all the kids <laughs> refer to them. Uh, he references a. a this has come up before. I still don't know how to say it. A sock sockany. Sockany's nuts. Fuck you. <laughs> A Saucony cross trainer. So, okay, what a specific weird brand of shoe. I don't know. I I, I don't. It's weird. Whatever. I uh, has a South Park cap. At one point, he mentions having an Adam Sandler idiot grin. <laughs> I have to imagine like Billy Madison kind of a thing. I don't know. It's kind of funny. Uh, sure. They were UPS packages. A woman drops a section of her Wall Street Journal in the elevator. Uh, going in the vents is like the tornado scene from The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> you know, can't just say a tornado. It's got to be that tornado. Uh, <laughs> this one is good. It could, it could have been from, tor- wasn't there, didn't that like tornado movie come out in the <laughs> 90s? <laughs> yes, it's called Twister. <laughs> Twister. Yeah, it could have been from uh, Twister. Yeah, that was probably 97 or maybe earlier. It was definitely before this book. Yeah, it was out. Yeah, they could have gone Twister. Would have been a good ref. Twist, by the way, Twisters is coming out this year. The sequel to Twister. <laughs> oh, shit. That is true. That is true. <laughs> That's good. Um, I like this one. Getting trapped in the vent like a big chunk of Snickers blizzard in a straw. <laughs> I don't know if it was an event. It was somewhere. It was good, though. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Grant says, could you get me a cup of coffee from the Starbucks on the corner? It's actually well, Marco. Marco says that. But... Whatever. Well, you know, Mr. Grant says it, kind of, in a way. Um, he considers whether he'd rather spend his life working at McDonald's or Burger King after getting expelled from school. Uh, he says, I'm an adventurer, much like Daniel Boone, Magellan, Marco Polo. Marco, I know that's a connection. Yeah, Mark, Marco's dad watches ESPN. Uh, he does an evil Knievel into acts. He says something's like climbing the Washington Monument, uh, an Olympic ski jump. That's when they're sliding down the the, the, the banister. 
Uh, it's like being strapped face down underneath someone's Porsche, mm-hmm. as I like to say. Like a stainless steel jacuzzi. Remember jacuzzi? Registered trademark. Yep. A teacher about to tell a folksy story about the young Abe Lincoln. I think that's he says his mom. That's how his mom looks. Mm-hmm. Uh Someone's out in the yard playing hacky sack. Now, I just want to say hacky sack. I looked this up is no longer a registered trademark. However, in this book, it was capitalized. So okay. at one point, hacky sack was a, a name brand. Uh, this is an Oprah. I don't remember what that refers to. Uh, another another kind of an edge case here. The darkened Ferris wheel. I, I, I don't really know if this counts. Ferris wheel is. Like it's a name. It's named after a person who invented it. I think it's a it's sure. capitalized technically. Okay. So I don't know. I don't. I don't actually know. I think I looked it up, but I forget. Uh, household names like generals from World War II or the Civil War: Patton and Eisenhower, Ulysses Grant, and Robert E. Lee. Some of my favorites in there. Let you decide which ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, his mom is driving a rented Audi, which gets a bunch of a bunch of references, and she also bullies her way past a family in a Chrysler town and country. Uh, she is a visitor one pretending to be fascinated by the wares displayed in the window of the ACE hardware. <laughs> they reference the human business called Dunkin Donuts. Not anymore. It's not. She disembarks at JC Penny. Lots of JC Penny disembarking talk. They, a couple references to dumpsters out back. I have written five dumpsters in five sentences. <laughs> <laughs> Just when you think like that must be over at this point in the series, no, 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 this isn't even Kay Applegate. You know, this is yeah. The, this must be the editor who's making sure those dumpsters are capitalized. Yeah, uh, which are filled with boxes from the Gap and Old Navy. Uh, there's tugging fitfully at some kids' size Michael Jordan jerseys. A reference to one heck of a shootout at the OK Corral. In the car is a long-forgotten open roll of peppermint lifesavers. Wall-to-wall crunchies working out their Timberlands. I don't. What is this phrase? I don't remember the context of this one. Uh, they're going. They're taking her on like a rough trail just when they're in the national park. Oh, the crunchies are like people yeah. hikers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like someone, what are crunchies? Canine crunchies? All right. Mm. Uh, Marco gets a dig in at Alanis Morissette when he says, see, that's ironic, Alanis. <laughs> Pretty stupid. Um, uh, Visitor 3 is driving an SUV. I don't, I couldn't remember. Does that count? Is SUV generic? I, think so. I thought that was generic, but I, I don't. Yeah, I'm not I a think car it guy. is, but I still wrote it down. I guess sure. it's like a sedan. I don't know. Um, I might have been Tinkerbell floating upward on magic dust. No problemo, Xena. Gets a Xena in there yeah. once. Oh, we know about Xena now. We do. Patreons know <laughs> about the Xena. Mm-hmm. Not to get all Prince of Egypt on you. That's the line that gives it away, which Zeropedia notes also sets this book firmly in uh, in a specific year, uh, 1999, 1998. I don't know. It has to be after Prince of Egypt came out. Yeah, so Prince of Egypt came out, I, I have it written, the Cyropedia note, in December of 1998. So this series, uh, and it says this series is not set, or this book is not set in winter, which makes sense. They get up onto a peak. So this must be taking place in 1999. Book came out in May 1999. That's about the earliest it could be. So this this book is fairly like concurrent with its publishing. 
So then you got to ask, is that true of all the books up until this point? Or like, is it supposed to be true of them? Don't know. Interesting. Don't know how old these kids are. (laughs) Um, All I know is Matrix is in theaters, probably. Mm. Probably some late runs. Came out in March. Anyway, he could have just been referencing like, you know, Moses. (laughs) Right? Just like from the Bible. Like, why did it have to be, you know, like he was the, was he? He specifically says not to get all, all Prince of Egypt on you like that. Sure. Like, yeah, who's going to say, say <laughs> who, who was the Prince of Egypt? During not to Moses get all time? son of God on you. You know what I mean? What was his name? Abafmir. Okay. Was Moses not the Prince of Egypt in that movie? <laughs> I don't remember. Anyway. Aren't you? Okay, fine. It doesn't matter. I th- I don't know if maybe does he become, does he, is he like technically, <laughs> don't they like, don't they take him in like he's an adopted kid. So like technically he's like a brother. So he's like technically a prince of Egypt. I think he's the prince of Egypt. This, oh, we're going right. to have to add this to the Patreon. Uh, and finally, Marco stares at soap operas and Jerry Springer and old movies. All right. I actually have one that. Oh, Jesus. Do you that you uh, missed and I understand why you missed it. Go ahead. So actually, I know I have two. Uh, Oh, my God. So when Visser one is uh, around the mall area, around the Dunkin Donuts and the Ace Hardware, she also uh, they go by a Fred's car wash. Which you know, I was no, ninety percent no. <laughs> sure this was just a, a no. some guy's name. When I googled it, there is no. a chain of car washes called Fred's Car Wash that has locations across the country. <laughs> I also it's a googled chain. this, and I, I it looked to me like there just happened to be car washes. I think this is a coincidence. I do not hmm. think they were referencing a, a specific Fred's Car Wash. Hmm. All right. Maybe. Maybe. Well, we're going to have to ask Elise Hutton or whatever her name is or K.A. Applegate. Maybe K.A. will know next time we get her on the pod. Yeah. And what's the other one? Uh, And the other one is uh, when Marco is up on top of the peak, he thinks uh, like he's like, oh, here I am up here. King of the world. Does that count? Feels like it might count. I don't know. Does he say I'm a king of the world? He doesn't does... say I'm. But he's kind of, he's just he like, yeah. King of the world. I thought I remembered like king of the mountain or something. Does he say king of the world? I think he says king of the world. Well, we'll let the, uh, we'll let the listeners decide that one. Yeah. <laughs> I guess right. I, I'm looking it up. I guess, uh. I guess Moses was uh, ad- adopted. To Thank be the... you. See, I remembered. He's the prince of freaking Egypt. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> and Marco go, spends a lot of time around Jake and Rachel. And he picks up on some of that, you know, Jew shit. <laughs> Is that okay to say? <laughs> You're. I, you can say whatever you want. But I'd have to, if I don't clarify that I'm Jewish, people could take it the wrong way. They could take it the wrong way, but it's your right. 
If you'd like to write into us about what I can and cannot say or anything else related to the world of Animorphs, you can do so. Theerkyboys at gmail.com. You got to listen to our Patreon this week. You have to. Because we're talking about grass. And if your name starts with an S and ends in a Teven, then I don't know what the fuck you're doing if you don't fucking pay us five fucking dollars and listen to that one. I like how we started the Patreon to get one single guy, and now we're going. If you write in to our our yerkyboys at gmail.com, we will devote an entire episode to to trying to convince you specifically to sign up (laughs) for our Patreon. Yep, that's just how desperate we are. (laughs) Patreon.com slash the yerkyboys. Oh, it's so good over there. (laughs) And uh, whatever, that's it. That's enough. Anything else you need to add? I think that's enough. I think we're good. Can I I see us out? Thanks, everyone, for listening. Tune in next time when we'll be talking about book 31, The Conspiracy, in which Jake turns into a bird on the Yerky Boys. (laughs) Is that a specific type of bird?